Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and occasionally some TV and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And this week we're joined by a guest host, Jamie Butlin. Hello. Jamie is a friend of ours. He's here to talk about Luke Cage with us. This week we watched Luke Cage Season 1. The showrunner is Chio Hadari Koka and it was released in 2016. The plot of the show goes something like this. After surviving a failed experiment that makes him bulletproof and escaping from jail, Luke Cage moves to Harlem where he hopes to live a quiet life. <laughs> the, okay, here's the thing about that timeline. What actually happens is Luke Cage uh, escapes from jail and then goes and opens his own bar called Luke's, being super undercover there, and then that blows up so he goes on to wash dishes and sweep floors. That's the timeline of Luke Cage. That seems really odd to me. It feels, this show at least to me, feels like Jessica Jones never happened. Like, But they, yeah, they right? specifically reference Jessica Jones having happened. I know. But the first episode, it seemed it was totally out of a different timeline. Yeah, no, but that's the thing. It, it definitely happened in the same timeline because um, there's a point at which Mariah, who, by the way, apparently in the comics is called Black Mariah, because apparently if you have a black character, they have to have black before their name. He, um, yeah, um, Cottonmouth calls her that at one point. Yeah, but I didn't realize yeah. that that was like, that's just bizarre to me. But anyway, at one point, Mariah talks about how Jessica Jones killed a guy because he was controlling her mind. And I'm still at that point where I'm baffled by the concept that they believe in super people, but they don't believe in somebody who could control people's minds. Like, that's the line that well, they decided it's, to it's draw. A, it's a bigger step because strong people is just an extension of what we can already do. Controlling people's minds. Giant mind and isn't. green. Well, it's also, it suits Mariah's purposes to make the vigilantes in Hell's Kitchen, the bad guy in this point. I understand that as well, but I still am stuck on the point that people will go, oh, yes, we believe in the Hulk, but we won't believe in people who can control other people's minds. We've seen aliens invade our city, but people who can control people's minds, that's a bit much. What are we, in a science fiction or something? Um, yeah, but this just is, gets me every time. Yeah, We like, live on a spaceship, do you? But in the first episode, though, there's like, the whole town suddenly turns against him, and like there's that girl who he goes he goes to chase down her father's championship ring or whatever. That's not the first. That's like whatever. It's well into the season. With no, it's a, it's like season. That's like, but that's before the. So there's two seasons in this show, right? Well, no, no, but it's it's pop for Pop's memorial. That's that's the day of Pop's memorial. He's in the suit all day. But Listen, it's like, I've cataloged mm. every time he appears in a suit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's still like episode four around episode four because then episode six I think is that mid season split. Where like the first the the plot line of the first season wraps up. See, episode seven is the one where um by the way, spoilers guys. Episode seven is the one where Mariah kills Cottonmouth, and then episode eight onwards is Diamondback and stuff, right? So there's basically two little like two little um seasons in this bigger season. There's the first part which is um Cottonmouth and and Luke going around and stopping um his operation which he doesn't end up doing because Mariah ends up stopping it. And then there's the second season where he's trying to deal with, like, take down Mariah and and stop Diamondback, and then he succeeds in one of those things. So there's that. Right. Um. But, yeah, there's two little distinct seasons in right. there. Right. I think I was talking about how silly it was that everyone suddenly believed he was bad. Yeah, but, I. Yeah. that was the thing that I hated in Jessica Jones, too. That thing where they're like, somebody says to you, oh, by the way, this is all that person's fault. And you're like, okay, I'm going to blame that person. You're like, but that per the first person, the person who said to blame someone else, they just like shot you in the hand or stole something from you or like beat you up. Why are you believing them? This makes no sense. Hmm. And Mariah sends her goons out to collect money from like the whole neighborhood. So 
Although I think the neighborhood believes they're cottonmouth goons rather than hers. Yes, and that's fine. But then why don't they blame Cottonmouth and not Luke? Like it's the same thing where where they all blame Jessica Jones for the things that um that David Tennant did to them. Mm. Kilgrave. That Kilgrave did to them. I'm still at this point, I, I just want to watch a show that is Foggy and Claire and Misty and Karen. Just them. <laughs> the spin-off like, show. And maybe Malcolm can come too. The the show that's just like, you know, the the friends of superheroes support group or whatever. And then the other guys can show up occasionally. <laughs> that's that's what the All show right. that I want to watch. So somebody work on that. Yeah. Um we didn't actually like do our impressions of the show. We should like at least Oh oh well the f- what we did on the last one was we talked about our background in the shows and yes, stuff and we what did. we've watched and everything. So maybe we should do that. Okay. Um do you want to start? All right. I don't have any background on Luke Cage other than the TV show Jessica Jones. I have a little bit of background on Mike Coulter in that I've just been watching The Good Wife and found him very charismatic and um, like appealing. So I'm fo- very fond of him, was fond of him coming into this. And obviously regular listeners know that we're all very much into the Marvel universe. And I do read Marvel comics a little bit, but I've not really got into the Jessica Jones Luke Cage universe at all. Yeah. So, Jamie? Uh, so I've read like a little bit of the comics around these guys, but very only like usually the big Marvel world events, which have bits and pieces of these guys in them. Mm. And obviously I've watched pretty much everything Marvel's done since Marvel became Marvel Studios. Yep. Um, I'm the same. I've watched all of the Marvel shows, watched all of the Marvel movies. I have read my very first Daredevil like um, graphic novels since we last did the podcast, did um, which is the Mike- Mark Wade. run. Yay! It's good. It's a good run. Um, I w- I read the first like little graphic novel in that run, um, and uh, remembered some of it, which is really impressive. I'm very bad at remembering comic books, but no, I don't have any particular. Not only do I have it, not have any uh kind of background with Luke Cage, I don't have any background with Mike Coulter apart from the, his little stint on Jessica Jones, and uh, I was far less excited about him carrying this show than you seem to have been, and I don't think that I was proven wrong in any way during the course of the show. I did not find him charismatic. I did not find him interesting. Um, I, I thought he basically had one expression through the whole show, and I just it was very frustrating for me because this is the kind of character that I feel, feel like I should really like. I like Captain America. I like the good guy who stands up for things. I like Falcon, you know, who is also a good guy who stands up for things with a slightly more sarcastic mm. bent to him. Well, yeah, and I really liked him. I I liked him. I responded to him in the way I respond to Captain America. And again, regular listeners will know what that's like. Um, but I, I de- yeah, I really liked him. I kind I liked the the bulletproof aspect. Of it. I found the bulletproof thing really relaxing. Like for the first six or so episodes, he can't get hurt. He can just hurt other. That's really nice. Was, I love the way he just went around slapping people. Mm, and there's a, <laughs> I don't a, a, the see, bit with the thugs at um at, at Genghis Connie's as well, where he just he puts his, as someone tries to punch him and like it ripples back through their arm and breaks. It's so disgusting and so amazing. There's I think two moments in the whole show when I really started to feel like I could connect to him, and then it kind of drifted off and I didn't feel it. Um, one was when Pop died, and he was upset. Like he was crying and stuff. That was really powerful. And I was like, oh, yes, more of that, please. Nothing else happened like that after that. And the other one was um, shortly after Pop died in the same episode, which I think was one of the better written episodes, by the way. Um, a guy comes up to him and calls him the N-word. And he gets so angry. And he's like talking about the history and talking about all of that sort of stuff. And then he gets really furious with this guy. Those were the two moments 
when I was like, oh, there's something there. I can connect with that. And then I didn't feel it again mm. at all for the whole rest of the show. I just felt like he was a cipher. He wasn't a person. Um, part of that, I think, was a problem with establishing relationships. He basically had one established relationship at the beginning of the show, um, which was with Pop, who immediately died. And the second one <laughs> established relationship was with Diamondback, who I found ridiculous and could never wrap my head around. Every time he was on, I'm just like, but he's ridiculous. He's not, he's, he's so over the top and so scenery chewing and so in another show from the one that I'm watching. Anyway, so the, the, there was a problem for me, I think, of like, if there's nobody that we care about that Luke cares about and Luke can't get hurt, what are the stakes? Mm, but well, then they we do get stakes in the end. Um, yeah, I, by I, the I, end of the show, there are stakes. But at the beginning, it's really hard to get stakes because, as you said, he can't get hurt, right? So the stakes have to be around other people, like Pop, um, right? And Pop dies in episode two. We right. barely get a chance but to know him. You, that shoot up scene, though, there is another bit of where Luke shows who he is, where they shoot at the barber shop, and Luke's instinct is to protect the kid in the chair. Like he runs and he covers the kid with his body and saves him. Yes, I, I. I, I thought that would be something you might relate to, but anyway, um, I just that was one of those things where. But that, I agree with you on the scene about the attics building. I le- I learned so much Black history in this in this show too, by the way, um, where he he talks about the building and who it's named after and the history of the neighborhood and tells his kid why he shouldn't be using the N word against him. That that scene was really great too. Mm. Um, the thing about him protecting the kid and and he does this a lot of the time. Um, he'll go and like protect the women and protect the kid and stuff, but. A lot of that stuff is like, it's not kind of, somebody else talk for a bit while I think about that. It, it, it just feels like it's not covered in anything. Like, he doesn't treat women in his dialogue the same way as he does in his actions. He's kind of, you know, dismissive and rude. And I don't, it, there's something about the whole, the, and that's the problem I have with the dialogue for the whole show. They do it all the time. It's constantly talking about banging somebody else's wife and it's constantly talking about how people aren't real men and all this sort of, there's, like, people keep trying to tell me that this show is unpicking toxic masculinity, but I felt like it was representing toxic masculinity an awful lot of the time and I found it really frustrating. Mm. I'm conscious of trying to let Jamie talk a bit too. <laughs> yes. Uh, I thought, see, I'm I'm in the unpicking toxic masculinity camp, although there Can is... Can you explain to me why? <laughs> there is a little bit of... I, I, there is a little bit of doing toxic masculinity, but I also think that there's such a wide range of different men. Um, so you get people like Bobby Fish, who is like the opposite of toxic masculinity. He's staying out of conflicts. He's, you know, chess gaming things. He's... He's like the antithesis of that. You get- but he still talks to women the same way as the other men. He meets Claire and he goes, oh, you're the most beautiful person ever. Don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise. Like he still like immediately objectifies her. Yeah. He still talks to women the same way the other I- men I'm do. also a little wary here because I think it's trying to decode some specific um, tropes of black masculinity. And I don't necessarily know that I have any kind of background to understand them completely. Yeah, but... It still doesn't make that okay, right? Like, it still doesn't make it acceptable for them to be talking about this stuff all the time in the show. And Scarf does it too. 
So, like, it's not only the black men who are in the show that are talking like this. Scarf does it um, when he's talking to Misty. And um, and the white partner in the, um, the cop, you know, the, yeah. the black and white partners talk about banging your wife and, oh, I was so tired from your daughter or whatever. And then that black cop then lets Luke Cage go a minute later. Mm. Stuff like that is, like, they are very – I mean, it, it seems to be all the time. Nobody – no men in the show – ever talk to Misty with respect at any point. The men are constantly being rude to women and dismissing women and talking down to women. Yeah, and Misty's constantly having to, like, be three times as good as anybody else to prove herself. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. but the – but, and I I mean, don't get me wrong, we'll get into this later, but, like, Misty is my favourite thing ever. But um, Mine too. Oh, God, she's just amazing. But – I and I appreciate that she's fighting against that, but it's so constant and it's so we- – uh, like – it just wore me down, I think, you know, and I found it really, I didn't like that. I really didn't. There's a scene very, I think the first episode sets up this woman who comes into the barbershop. Oh, the one who's studying law and has a son. Yes. Right. So she aggressively flirts with Luke, right? In the barbershop. Mm. She flirts with Luke. She says, um, or assertively flirts with Luke, I suppose. She's like, do you want to go out with me? And he's like, oh, no, I don't want to go out with you. And then immediately after that, or like a couple scenes after that, he meets Misty and with Misty, she's like, I'm not interested in you. So he immediately pursues her. And there's a very, very problematic element to that, which is the concept of like women as prey and women who flirt with men are not attractive. But if you seem uninterested, then that's attractive. And there's a lot of, I know that the people keep, you know, I've had these discussions and people are like, but these particular situations are different. But if you set those two women up in direct opposition to each other like that in that episode, it's going to be read that way. I thought that woman was actually really interesting because she's like the um, ambitious, self-made kind of woman. She's, uh, you know, she's putting herself through law school, even though she's got like this kid that she's got to raise, and it's her kid that Luke saves. I know, I remember that, and and he gets, gets beat shot. up at the end of the show mm. as well. Yeah, but you also like Misty's also a- ambitious. It's a weird, uh, it's a weird thing because she's because Misty's shown is really ambitious as well. Like mm. she's played college ball at a really high level. She's worked really hard. She's super smart. She has a mind palace. Though ambitious to a point, because there is a point in the show where they specifically say she could be do- doing so much better than she is, or so much in a place that she's like they said oh, she yeah. could be. She could be a fed. But she's chosen not to. So mm. her ambition is around where she is. That's interesting. It's very specific actually, when you think about her in context of Mariah, isn't it? Because Mariah is the same. Mariah is like a really amazing politician. Um, who I love and a the, really amazing actress. God, Alfred Woodward. Yeah, isn't she great? It. She was my favorite, honestly. Um, she's a really amazing politician, and I've, and and like. I love that she learned her politics skills coming up in the world drug dealing too. I think that's mm. just so suitable. Um, but she could be like at a much higher level than a local Harlem councilwoman, but she really wants to like be in the neighborhood. But I think some part of me is like, well, that's – it's a conceit that you see in TV shows where like these really brilliant people are doing this amazing work at a community level. But it's also – it's part of making Harlem a character in the this show. This is something else about the show. People say that Luke is intelligent – I never saw that ever in the whole show. There's never a point that he sa- that he does anything that's particularly smart or says anything. Like he just kind of I feel like we get told who Luke is more than we get shown who Luke is. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Um like particularly there's so many times he's re- just reacting to things and he doesn't really think things ahead at all. He just you know busts in to do something and then goes, "Oh, why are you guys being, you know, having this sort of reaction? But 
doesn't think about what's going to happen. He really doesn't. He's very much like a um. It well, even to the whole thing about his powers, he's kind of like reactive with the powers rather than proactive. Um, yeah, and so that's where, I mean, it's it's interesting, but it is an aspect of him. I think it's a bit underdone. It's one of the many contradictions within the show um, that Luke seems to think that he can like be incognito and you know be left alone while also wandering around in broad daylight going come on guys shoot me like he he just and, and going on tv and being like i'm luke cage people can shoot me and i won't get hurt and then he's like oh no i'll just slip away afterwards and you're like no the internet exists what are you talking about i thought that was weird too yes like and that's yeah. one of the there's a lot of contradictions like that the show kind of tries to to adjust to these contradictions a lot but like later on when mariah's talking there's a definite conflict of interest where she's like we should arm the police the police are beating up the black kids so we don't want them to beat up the black kids so let's arm them which is like a real contradiction there and the show tries to justify it through her a bit but like there's a lot of these kind of contradictions where the plot of the show that they're trying to tell doesn't match up with the character motivations so they've got to try and twist twist around the characters to fit it i think there's a problem with the overall writing of the show but not with the concepts and that like it looks really good fight scenes are okay but generally it looks really good there's some really beautiful shots particularly in those first six episodes which i think are the strongest part oh, of the season is anything in cottonmouth's office that mm. office the production yeah. design and the music is fantastic uh-huh, yeah uh-huh it's amazing that's amazing all the way through cottonmouth's office so that picture of biggie in the um in the crown mm. yep. that's used amazingly but the way the office is set up with that round window and there's a and light, the long table. Yeah, and there's a lamp that looks like the an eye, like the iris of a snake's eye, with the yellow and a black dot in the middle of it. It's, just, it's like this masterful piece of production design. Yeah, and they can shoot that really well. But there's another bit where the um, he walk when he walks into Pops for his shave, mm. the camera is like too uh, there's too much space above him. And he comes in and he's looming above the camera and sort of looks kind of menacing. And then it sort of swoops out and adjusts once the other guys come in. That is a really gorgeous piece of camera work. Um, and that 70s, like, black exploitation style soundtrack is amazing. And I liked the um, the barbershop for as long as it existed. The, the bright colored sign and everything as well, mm-hmm. the way that was set up was really nice. I think that's the problem. Like, see, the first half, the first episode was wonky, but the f- then the rest of the first half of the season was going pretty strong. Like, it, there was a real kind of sense of menace and stakes. Um, Cornell mostly only shot his own people, but he, Herschel Ali put in an amazing performance. Yeah. Um, well, that was, part of that appeal of him, though, was that he was so, like, he was dangerous and crazy. Like, he was so. Um, the, I would have thought that – I would have said the opposite. Well, no, but that's the thing. You can see him unwinding. Like, he's getting to the point where he's only killing his own people, that his own – or his organization is like, well, I guess, in, for snake metaphor, he's like eating his own tail. And you yes. can see him unravel. But I don't think he's crazy. I think he's 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 trying really hard to keep this control and the control's getting away from him. And as the control gets away from him, he becomes desperate. But I don't think that's crazy. I think he's quite sane. Diamondback is crazy. Diamondback, there's no logic to anything that he does. There's a scene where I, I promise I cried laughing, where he w- bursts in on that meeting that Mariah's having with the other heads of various crime organizations, um, the daredevil scene. And, um, and he comes in 
And there's a Jamaican guy there. And literally the only line that he says in the whole thing, he stands up and he goes, hey, Mon. And then he gets like stabbed in the eye. Oh. <laughs> That's all he does. And I, I cried laughing. I was like, that is the most stereotypical, weirdest thing. Also, the show really doesn't seem to like Jamaicans. They made a lot of jokes about Jamaicans on that show. Oh, I think, yeah, I think there's some like there's some like Harlem racial politics underlying yeah. it all with how they would get along with the Jamaicans and the Latinos and everyone else, which is interesting when you think that of like really Claire liked. and Shades as being like the Latino part of Harlem and then like um and there's yeah, there's another dealer as well who they need to work with at some point, especially on the weapons. I can't remember his Turk. name. Yeah. Turk comes in and, and yeah. sells them weapons and stuff. That's Turk from Daredevil who um Matt's always arresting. Right. Uh, I knew I'd seen him before. Yeah. The guy who's like, I'm not getting into this a bunch of times is Turk. Right. But the problem with Diamondback is he's just like, I don't even know how to describe him. Like, He's so ridiculous that he becomes uninteresting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, just, you take, he's not just chewing the scenery. He's like devouring it with fangs or something. Like, he's just, <laughs> he's so nuts. Like, and, and, and so stupid. And he's got these stupid big fake teeth. And every time you see him, he's like, you're just like, oh, but he's this also guy. so nuts that you also can't see how he ever got to this place. Yeah, mm-hmm. like his motivations don't even really match up with yeah. just how out there he is right, at yeah. this point. Well, especially even he's like the top dog in like drug and arms dealing in Harlem, but his main motivation is seen as being revenge on Luke Cage, who hasn't even shown up like until a few months earlier in Harlem at all. So he's obviously been doing this for a while. I mean, there could be an aspect of revenge against his his preacher daddy who just abandoned him. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're right. He doesn't like you. You just sort of don't get how he got there. Yep. Whereas Cottonmouth, sorry, um, Cottonmouth is like he's sort of like you can see how he he had been dapper and charming, and he could get part of yeah. that way. And you Co- see Cottonmouth exactly was a how he gets. Fantastic there. villain. Yeah, he's just he, like the first half of this show i think just it pulled me in and cottonmouth is a fantastic villain and all the the side characters are great but the second half with diamondback is just it's he's just so uninteresting the second half also suffers from that um the um angel season four problem of like there's four episodes or something that are just in the same day Like, it just goes on from one episode to the next. There's no break. There's no breather. Luke gets hurt. Luke has to go and get fixed. And it's, like, four episodes long. It's so drawn out and it's so dragged. And it's over the bit where Luke has been shot as well, Mm. which then is resolved way too easily. Claire only pulls, like, three bullets from him, even though they've said – we've seen him get shot with these fancy bullets more than three times – and also, there's. I think he only more- gets shot with them twice. Oh, okay. Yeah, twice. So she, pu- once she pulls in the stomach out- once in the shoulder. Right. She pulls like three things out, and there. And the the, the implication was these these bullets like spread shrapnel all through his body and all this, and it wasn't nearly as bad as we thought it was. Yeah, particularly because she pulls out three pieces of shrapnel from his belly, which they've sh- they'd shown the three pieces yeah. in the um on the ultrasound. Called? Ultrasound. Thank you. Um, and then nothing to do with the shoulder. That was it. No. <laughs> It was a little bit. Must have just been a through and through. Well, you know, the hero gets it there all the time. Um, yeah, but the thing is, I think they were trying to make that better by having Claire in there, which I understand because I love Claire um, and she's like my favorite thing ever. But all that did was make Claire look kind of like, what's the word? She looked like just a ridiculous level of genius, you yeah. know, like way <laughs> smarter bit, yeah. than than. Yeah. I, I mean, that's not why we like Claire. We don't like Claire because she's ridiculously, insanely intelligent. We like Claire because she's the kind of 
the person who's willing to get in there and help people out and stuff. Mm. Um, and that was a bit frustrating for me as much as I love her. But the moments that I love her the most are things like that, you know, when the club is being held hostage and she tricks the guys into, you know, letting her go downstairs and then yeah. she smashes them. Like, that's the stuff that I like. When the, Her introduction in this show was so great. Yeah. When definitely. she's introduced and she's being mugged and she <laughs> turns around and, like, not mugged, she, she, um, her purse is snatched and she, like, races after the guy and just wails on him. Mm. She's like, you can't steal my purse, please. <laughs> so, you know, that, that was really – and, like, I think they tried to make us, like, Luke through Claire. Or at least that's how I felt they were, what they were doing. Mm. They were like, oh, Claire likes him, so you should like him. And I'm like, well, at this point, you're basically just getting all of the major female characters to, from these shows, apart from Karen, to like fall in love with Luke Cage. Really frustrating. <laughs> I'm not that impressed. And yeah. now I just, it makes me dislike Claire more of all things. At, and I love Claire. As much yeah. as I like Luke as well, I'm, it was surprising that they just have to make every female character fall in love with him. Like, I get that he's appealing and charismatic and tall, but I like, I don't, yeah, I don't get, get the, the charismatic. charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's possible. I now I'm worried that I'm like conflating. I've been watching too much Good Wife, and I'm conflating Lamond Bishop, who is an amazing character, like in the Cottonmouth sort of mold on that show, except less violent. He's kind of. It, he's actually a really great character. He's you never actually he's supposed to be this big drug dealer and crime lord, but you never actually see him be violent. You only ever see like this sweet but really smart guy who's good with kids. But anyway, that's beside the point. So perhaps I'm I'm bringing like Mike Coulter baggage to this and finding him charismatic. But it, it even even if you do find him charismatic, even if there is an argument for that or it's that there some for some people he is, it's very hard to be like really all of these women are in love with him. And also part of the appeal of Claire was that. She kind of got close. She, she did that nurse thing, that emotional – the thing that nurses do really well, that emotional support, emotional work type thing that they are trained to do where she gets really close to Matt but they never, like, become a couple. They did. They they had sex. Yeah, but they they were never, like, going to be a couple <laughs> like at all. Two different things, Katie. Yeah. No, no. They've <laughs> Well, yeah, but, I mean, they, she didn't have sex with Luke and she did have sex with Matt, I think, was the – point that yeah, I was trying to make. But she the point is that she like they go close there. She's like part of her is like exploring the boundaries of that relationship of the emotional labor of nurse slash lover type boundaries. Um and it all it was a bit too neat for me that they tied this one up with yes, of course they're getting together at the end of this show. It was that weird. Also the reasons that she won't be with Matt should be the reasons that she won't be with Luke. Yes, exactly. No, this is that no, that's what I'm like, yes, I was trying I was describing it in more academic language, but exactly Except that, you know, Luke's not going to go out and get himself killed, is he? He's bulletproof. This is why it was so relaxing. Matt gets hurt so bad, and I'm just like, oh, God, you poor little darling. You must, just how do you, why do you keep doing this to yourself? This is and, why, this is, this is what, and, one of the reasons I love Matt so much. And, <laughs> and Jessica doesn't get hurt so much, but she hurts herself in other ways. Mm. So you're also kind of like, oh, Jessica, why, why? But Luke kind of like, he just, he is just bulletproof up until that episode where he gets shot. And you just, yeah. That's Which what makes me just not that nice. interested in him. <laughs> Um, and of course, like, and, and, and I think though, there's also the symbolism of the, the black man in the hoodie who can just walk around getting shot and it has no effect on him. Yes, I, I get that and I like that. I appreciate that. And I, I understand what they were going for at that end of it where people are supporting him. I liked the scene actually with the Wu-Tang Clan guy. Oh, um, do you mean Method Man? Yeah. Yeah. I liked that scene. That was so that cute. Was quite, in, and in the also that was yeah. cute because Luke was so excited to meet him. Luke smiled. 
I mean, yeah. it's a miracle. Um, For the second time in the season. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Actually, I, I saw a bit of Jessica Jones and he smiles more on his Jessica Jones arc than he does on his whole show. I was like, but isn't this guy supposed to be nice and likable and stuff? I don't. That's the thing that like people just keep telling us he is, but he doesn't really come across as all that likable and nice. He's just kind of bland, occasionally corny. He should smile more and also wear more suits. Definitely wear more suits. He looks. So, I mean, I know the hoodie. But they thing. get they get destroyed. <laughs> I know everything he wears gets destroyed. That's why he's in hoodies. All I love. I kind of love that. All he's he's like constantly asking people for hoodies. Size A, man. Double XL, please. <laughs> yeah. No, I liked that scene partly because it humanizes Luke a little bit. But also because um, you see why people on the street would like him. Yes. Um, after episodes and episodes of him just not doing anything. Also, the the Diamondback being his brother thing. Like, who cares? Mm. Who cares that Diamond if Diamondback is your brother? That's just comic book kind of silliness. Like, silliness to the extreme to me. I'm like, oh, Diamondback's your brother, and that's why he hates you. This is where the show has gone with all of their machinate ma- ma- and all of their like Mariah's you know political kind of drive and her ability to hide in plain sight and all of Cottonmouth's you know struggles to try and keep things under control we're coming down to Diamondback's brother so he doesn't like him Mm. and the ridiculous thing is that in Diamondback's little speech about how Luke has wronged him he's like oh and I was born and then everything was great and then two years later Luke was born you're like how does he even remember two years of being good? <laughs> what? Right? Yes. He couldn't possibly remember so, that. So, like, it's entirely in his head. This yeah. guy is just a loon. Although, a villain having a backstory where he's like the illegitimate son of a preacher man who, who gets neglected by his father because he's an embarrassment, that would be, that's a good backstory. Yeah, that'd be great, except for the whole stupid brother thing and the whole stupid... Also, you get a flashback of them as kids and the guy playing the young Diamondback just seems like he... I mean, he's a little jealous, you know? And he's a bit angry. He's not a violent, insane man. He's just yeah. Kind they really of... didn't show that in between piece that we're missing. Yeah, which, they... where he goes from like just mildly annoyed to total psychopath. And they were friends. They they were friends. Why was he friends with him and then hated him with no contact with him in between? It's, it's was well, so... that the car though? That's the whole. That's the the falling out is them. They steal a car and then and Luke's father stands up for him and so he gets like an easy ride and Diamondback ends up in jail and when did that happen that's like the whole middle of the story about the two of them did you yeah red that? corvette hmm. yeah that's that's what that. that's what breaks them apart and that's so but it's a little confusing as to what age they were when that happened because they you when see them boxing happen? together and like the episode where we do all the flashbacks to um to their youth, and and it's, it's explained over a few episodes. But they don't actually steal. A, I sh- I swear they don't steal a car in any flashbacks in that episode. No, they don't. You don't see them stealing the yeah. car. You steal the see the the story in the newspaper about how they've stolen a car, and the the one of them gets was, sent to jail, and one of them gets off. It was basically only in the backgrounds of some of the episodes. Yeah, you so had to be paying was, attention. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was, was it, hard. Did Diamondback talk about it? Because I swear, half the time when he was talking, I zoned out because I couldn't understand half of the things yeah, he was saying. A little bit, and it also flashed on screen with newspaper articles and stuff. Yeah. You sort of, yeah. It's people refer to it, but they don't actually spell it out. No, it's just wow, seen, I don't it's seen this in like at all. in newspaper clips and stuff. And yeah, I knew that he had that at some point Diamondback framed Luke for murder. This this also reeked oh. of like so the, that was the revenge for the red Corvette thing. Yeah, though uh, I, I assume they're going to go more into that in season two. Well, hmm. they, I mean, they should have just saved Diamondback for season two. It's actually yeah. interesting how 
this par- parallels a little bit the way they deal with Punisher in the last season of Daredevil, where you get like four or five episodes about the Punisher, about Punisher. It's brilliant for those four or five episodes. Yep. And then it stops and we suddenly move into another villain, which is yep. not yep. as good. It's a very, very similar arc and just as annoying. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and they just kind of, I, yeah, I, I remember being kind of annoyed when Cottonmouth got killed, because you could see it coming, but it, it was a bit like Pop. It felt like it came too fast. Like, when we first met Pop, I was like, oh, he's awesome. I'm going to be really sad when he dies, like, heroically in episode 10. But he wasn't heroically in episode 10. It was heroically in episode 2. 2. So, yeah. Three, maybe 3? I don't know. It was around there. Hey, at least it wasn't a girlfriend who got fridged this time. That's true. Yeah. But, yeah, the um, I've also found the final fight so anticlimactic, because it's literally just... <laughs> Diamondback wails on Luke a bunch. Luke turns around and punches Diamondback once and that's it. Well, the final fight should have been the big heist on the Attics building where, the you know, the Fort Knox where he's saved all his money. The fact that that happens so early where Cottonmouth's got all that money saved in that in that one building. And there's the girl on the couch. Mm. I loved that scene. Yeah, that was great. And that should have been like a finale type thing, but it was happened about episode four or five. Mm-hmm. In the lead up to the downfall of Cottonmouth, and yeah, it was a it was a really awkward structure. That would have been a perfect ending to the series too, with Mariah killing Cottonmouth. Mm. That would have been mm-hmm. a great, huge like a shock at the end yeah. of the season. You would have been like, "Oh my god, yeah. Mariah killed Cottonmouth!" You know, and and, and also, n- by the way, she get, keeps like they keep kind of coming back to, "Oh, you murdered Cottonmouth," as like her biggest sin. And I'm like, that's the best thing she's done on this show. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, but, but it would have been a good se- in season in too because it, we also find out around about episode four that um, sassy white friend, the cop, whatever his name is. Oh, um, Scarf. Yeah, yeah. Scarf. Frank is- Wally, who was great on this show, yeah, by the way. Yeah, we find out he's corrupt and then he has like a heroic death scene in his partner's arms, which is also wonderful because you see mm-hmm. a, a black woman nursing her white male partner while he dies and she cries over his corpse. But he, that that arc as well, like where you he's kind of fun, kind of silly. We just think he's – we think we see he's an antagonist, but we just think he's like – you know, busting her balls a little bit. We don't realize he's corrupt. Then it's revealed that he's corrupt and he kills Chico. And it, like that little arc also takes about the same oh, length as the whole Cottonmouth yeah. arc. Yeah. It works really well because they managed to kind of get you to like Scarf because he's that yep. sarcastic, mm, mm. entertaining guy. And then. And Frank Wally is really good in this show. Like yep. he, I, I, I know him, uh, he's in Pulp Fiction and a few other things. He's been around forever. He's kind of like the poor man's Eric Stoltz, who's kind of like the. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Yeah, no, no. Uh, but Eric Stoltz is like a poor man's, I don't know who. Um, 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 no, this should come to me much more quickly than this. Marty McFly. He's the poor man's Marty Oh, the McFly. poor man's Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Also on The Good Wife. It, yep. So Eric Stoltz is the poor man's Michael J. Fox and Frank Wally was the poor man's Eric Stoltz. So, um, <laughs> so Frank Wally, like, is not somebody that, you know, you see a lot of. He just kind of does this character stuff and he was so good in this show. He was so kind of charming and sarcastic and annoying and funny and mm, yeah. like he was just killing it and even when you found out he was corrupt you still kind of liked him oh kinda yeah like shades actually who i liked and i liked shades too yeah. even though he was awful he was awful but he was yeah. that kind of charismatic interesting fun awful and he loved mm. mariah so much you know he yeah. has this massive crush on this woman who's like 20 years older than him it's just adorable so there's all these things to like in shades yeah just like this kind of things to like in Cottonmouth and people like that oh. there's nothing to like in diamondback he doesn't make a good villain because we don't care at all like you know we've mm. got nothing to yeah um and that's of course why mariah is the greatest villain of them all yeah exactly because yeah. she's you know she actually wants some of the things she wants are good things yep and she's got good ambitions, and but like she's also just 
she speaks out both sides of her mouth all the time and she's so conniving and clever and like she's the biggest snake of them all of all the, the snake villains she needs a snake name i don't know what she'd be i don't know but um yeah um black mamba <laughs> mm. <laughs> i was gonna I went straight back to kill bill then um uh yeah but she and she is she's brilliant um and the really the biggest kind of face off in this show the biggest conflict was misty versus mariah mm. right yeah. like that was the season long conflict it was certainly the, that was the most interesting one and yeah it was the most there were so many times when we're watching luke and i'm just like can we go back to misty please yes every time they cut away from misty i was like no yeah and, we have to go through this again yeah because misty dealing with all her cop bosses as well was fascinating like the internal affairs the first she's got the first boss whose name I can't remember, but she's half Korean, half black. Mm-hmm. She, and so she kind of looked different from everybody else. And then there's Inspector Gadget who comes in later. Yep. Whose name I can't actually remember either. Inspector something. Um, That stuff is, that workplace conflict stuff is really interesting, especially in light of losing her partner and also the like the useless, inept cops that all she also ends up having to work with. Or she has, yeah, that screw up. I think that's an interesting conflict too in itself. And Misty it is on. also really interesting because um, I was having this conversation recently and People were like, oh, Misty finally got called out on her arrogance at the end when she gets, I think it's Candace? Yep. Killed. And you're like, yeah, Misty is arrogant, but, you know, you can also understand where she's going with this because every single time she's tried to trust the cops in this whole season, it's gone badly for her. Mm. Her boss, she wasn't corrupt, corrupt, you know, she wasn't corrupted but she was friends with Mariah. You can see how she thought she might be corruptible. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes on at her about, you didn't trust me, and you're like, well what reason have any of the cops given Misty to trust them at this point? Mm. Um, nobody listens to her. Nobody ever believes her about any of the stuff that she's saying. And it's this kind of like, and but I also like that Misty's arrogant and Misty doesn't like to, you know, that, that stuff where she's um, doesn't want to talk about her feelings in that episode that was very clearly also manipulating her, but she also doesn't want to ever talk about any of the stuff that's actually affecting her um she wants to keep it all bottled up inside and go punch people like i like all these things about misty that make up who misty is that make her flawed but also really strong and interesting and and cool and better than everybody else that Mm. was created on that show basically i also like that misty's arrogance in the sense of her um like she's always had to try twice as hard as everybody else just to get half as far yeah kind of arrogance that's the arrogance of somebody who like knows their value and knows their place because they've had to like punch their way past like way more obstacles than anyone else just to get there. Mm. Like yeah. even even the basketball when there's like the kids who are just talking shit at her and she gets on the court and like wipes the floor with them. You just you sent get the sense that Misty's had her spent her whole life dealing with other people's low expectations. So the arrogance makes it feels natural and earned. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. So when they first introduce her new boss, is it Priscilla somewhere? Yeah, Priscilla. Yeah. Um, I think it's Inspector yeah, Ridley, not Inspector yeah, Gadget. In- Inspector Ridley. They imply that they knew each other before. Yeah, they did know each other mm. before. But did they I- ever explain how that was? Yeah, she was her trainer at the academy or something like that. Mm. Yeah. So they, it's not that they didn't like one another, just that it also... The, no, they really didn't like one another. I don't like think they another. liked one another. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like there was something more to that story. Like they had at one point been friends and they... That it, again, it's not fully explained mm. that something had gone down there. And also the inspector, like, uh, I think the idea is that, that Misty thought um, that Priscilla had sold out to get where she got to. I think that was the idea. Like through being friends with the councilwoman and all that kind of stuff. 
Were they like sorority sisters or something? The, the councilwoman and Mariah were sorority sisters. That right. was they talk about that at one point. What, they do, but I couldn't. The Priscilla and Mariah, yeah, Inspector and Mariah. I found it really hard to hear what they were saying for some reason. Like I couldn't grasp what it meant that they were saying. Yeah, it, it was it was like slang. It, like your it's something about your soror. So like as okay. in sorority sister, and then she's like, and um, you, know, you let her go ski we. Like she yeah, says it, yeah. It, it's I, just language was, we don't understand. Yeah. It's slang, yeah. So I was it, it took it me a while to figure like, out, and yeah. and that's why I thought she might have thought that Priscilla was corrupt. Like, I get that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm indebted actually. I read the recaps on Black Girl Nerds, and that's mm-hmm. and I, then I actually saw what the line said. I heard Soror, and I was like, like Soror. I heard sister? Soror. I yeah. was like, she's <laughs> Soror at you. That's yeah. weird to say. Or and I, and like I that. finally figured it out what what she'd actually said. But I, you kind of got it from context. But yes, yeah. there were Soror. Well, I figured it out because I've watched Legally Blonde a lot of times, <laughs> and that like <laughs> the the musical, and they do a whole little thing there, and I'm like, oh, I think that might be what this thing was referencing. Right. Okay. But other than that, I wouldn't have figured it out. Yeah, and now that's actually one of those things about the show that's really good, though. It does like it speaks in like, um, it, it speaks in the language of Harlem in like black slang or what I don't know. It's like the dialect. A A V E. Yes, it, it speaks in dialect, and it doesn't expect the like it expects the audience to keep up. Mm. Like we have to look this shit up. And they're not going to like pander to the white audience. Mm. I did like that. So they, you always have enough context to work on that you know what's going on. Yes, yes, you do. Yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah. For all the things that you can say about Luke Cage, yeah, the the way that it handled kind of racial issues was really great. It was really interesting to see a lot of these racial issues really be talked about and discussed openly on the show. And uh, there's a lot of kind of discussions around things that that are really interesting. Um, there's a lot of like sort of w- deeply woven references to like black life and black history. Like his grandfather's a red tail who flew in the Second World War. And um, the, obviously the barber shop, like that's a bit more obvious. But you learn all the, I at least learned all these little bits of history as well going mm. through. Well, that's why it would have been nice to have some discussions around how you treat women. Well, that, yeah, I think that's that is an issue. Like, and then that's why when they did these Netflix shows, you know, like maybe think of giving Misty a spinoff would be nice. Yeah, like, well, I think I mean I think she might eventually get a spin-off, but yeah, it would be nice to see more like but not just give Misty a spin-off. I don't want Misty to have a spin-off where she Peggy Carter's it up and she's like the only woman in a world full of men who are always rude to her, which is kind of what she is at the moment, except that the women are like there was one woman I think in the whole show that just like sort of believed in her the whole way through, which was the first chief. Mm. Um everybody else just doesn't at any point. And um and I, I actually am not sure if the show ever even passed the Bechdel test. Um, there's conversations between Misty and Mariah. There's conversations. Between, Are they ever not about Cornell? I'm, I'm thinking. Well, no, because there's conversations between Misty and Inspector Ridley about arresting, um, ar- arresting Mariah and what's gone wrong there. There's conversations between the inspector and. Misty about how well. Firstly, she interrogates Claire, and there's but there's also cold conversations between them about how Claire, how she treated Claire, and how she now has to go to a psychologist and whatever because of that. I think it does. Okay. Yeah. If it does, uh, I mean, I was looking for it. Oh, and uh, Soledad and Claire also talk to one another. That's yeah, true. But they primarily talk and about so- Soledad, Claire, and Misty all work out what to do with the, uh, that poor girl whose name I can't remember gets killed. Candace, Candace, as well. Yeah. Um, Mariah talks with Candace, although I think that's also about Cornell. Yeah, 
a little well, bit. That's the thing. Claire like- talks to her mum about her choice to leave uh-huh. um, the hospital where yeah, she was working at. That's true too. Which is, yes, but that's also partly about Matt in in like under the surface. What's Not called? Really, it was. It's about her choice. It is, but she talks about how it was attacked by ninjas and stuff. I feel like that's a technical pass. I know. <laughs> but that's the thing is that a lot of these things feel like technical like passes. My driving Not that talking about what to do with the women, I suppose, but a lot of these things are like she talks about to her mum about superheroes and she talks to all this stuff and it's there's a not a whole lot of conversations between women that aren't about men. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of talking about guys. Mm. Yeah. Because I was keeping an eye open for it for a long time in the last half of the season i was like let's let's go let's do some of this stuff and claire and misty almost only talk about luke and i'm like but claire and misty is so interesting and then they have this conversation i hate as that well. they play them off against one another i hate that they're not pals i want them to be friends well they are by the end of the season yeah sort of and i think they did that I, again i think they had misty interrogating claire the way she did and going off at claire for us to like not trust misty for a bit mm. i think that's what they were going for there because again i feel like Whenever they put Claire in a situation, we're always supposed to side with Claire um, and, like, see things through her perspective. She is basically our perspective character through mm. a lot of the shows. Yeah. Which is why they've carried her through all the – she's through all the shows now. That and she's Rosario Dawson. She's amazing. Um, but um, the bit that I really didn't like was Claire and Misty talked to each other at one point and they're like, you can really handle yourself in a fight. You too. It was my dad who taught me. It was my uncle. Oh, <laughs> I know. I'd like, forgotten really? about that. Really? Neither of you were taught by your mother or anything or neither of like, you just like went to freaking cop school and learned how to fight people? No, no. It was my dad yes. or my uncle. I know. I was like, Misty went to academy. Misty was taught at the academy by another woman, at least one other woman. Like, what? Yeah, I know. I think the exactly the same when that scene happened. That like, scene what? did not have to not pass the Bechdel test. They could have easily had that scene passed. That was so frustrating. Like, yeah. why? I don't I don't know why, but I just wasn't angry with the show at all. Like, I know I know there are bits in it that were, like, on the nose. I- <laughs> Speaking of on the nose, um, when they first show the Judas bullets and uh-huh. they blow up, they basically make a guy explode. Yeah. And at the end of the so the the episode where Luke first gets shot, it ends, and then the next episode is called "Blowing Up on the Street," and I was just like, "Wow, really?" Yeah, apparently all the titles are from this one band. Ah, mm. uh, I see. Of all their songs, um, just, was very good timing on their part. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> they they they're good with puns and stuff like that. Yep. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of on the nose, that coffee dialogue oh. every yeah, time they go. talked about going for coffee. There's a lot of stuff like that, though. There's some – I actually wrote it down, but I can't uh, remember it. There's a couple of lines of dialogue from Diamond Back where I was just like – I wanted to slam my head against the desk, where it was so unsubtle and so frustrating and so dumb. He also plays Son of a Preacher Man over him explaining exactly his origin story <laughs> and Luke. Which he starts explaining to an empty theatre by himself before Luke walks in. Oh, no, this is in the office. He does this oh. in the office. He's explaining to someone up there, but he, pu- he puts on the but record. But he may as well have been monologuing. Oh, that's right. He's and explaining it to yeah, that cons- council And he, he puts on the song, and I hear, then you, I hear the opening notes of Son of a Preach Man, and I've already rolled my eyes. And it plays under the whole, like, recounting of that story. The um, He was the um, the diehard character. Um, you know, the diehard guy who blows coke, and then um, Hans Gruber gets him up and gets him to, like, try to get him on his side, and he's like, I'll do whatever you want for you, and then he ends up shooting him. That's, that's right. exactly what that councilman provided right. in yeah, that yeah. episode. I was like, oh, he, look, it's oh, Die Hard. Oh, and, um, but he did also, um, Cottonmouth, no, not Cottonmouth, um, 
Diamondback did have a great nickname for him, Diet Obama. That was like shit, good shade. Yeah. I mean, it has its moments, but a lot of it is just like yeah, yeah. frustrating dialogue. But I, I do feel like the first half of the se- season is just a different show. Mm. Mm. I feel like the first half of the season was its own show, and then the second half of the season kind of went back into that sort of generic Marvel action stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, and we talked about this when we did the last season of Daredevil. It's like like so they haven't worked out how to tell the story over the 13 episodes yet. Or just yeah. learn how to pace it better. Well, yes, learn I guess how that's... To pace it better. Learn how to do other things. Like, you know, you don't have to have the same format for all of these shows. You could have some stuff where there's like an episode of the week that's about something different. You could have an entire flashback episode if you wanted to. Well, like, do something different and learn how to pace it better. And it, But the thing is, like, first season of Daredevil paced fine, and um, mm. Jessica Jones paced okay as well. Mm. Like, it, it at least it had the villain run out across the whole season. Mm. But I do think that they um, – Netflix has just decided that a season of Netflix is 13 episodes, and they're each about an hour long, and there's never been any real discussion of, like, is it the right length? How do we make it work for a Netflix season? Because they know that they they're very aware that they're not doing network TV, which is great, but they kind of need to work out how to how to make that work. Because I know Game of Thrones has trouble with its thirteen episode seasons as well. Like they kind of tend to peak about an episode too early, and you're just like, ugh. Mm. And I- this and a lot of the Marvel shows, they're just like, well, I know the last episode is just going to be one long fight scene, so I can just kind of sleep through that one. Mm. Uh- so yeah, exactly. Actually, no. The fight ended really early. In it that did, this one, this one did actually end surprisingly early. Well, because uh, there was nothing to it. There was no, there was no kind of. I mean, they built it up. Hit each other for a bit. They yeah. built it up for like six episodes, and then it was a nothing fight. It's like I, I don't think the choreography on the fight scenes in this. They should have got in the choreography for the choreographer for the well, Daredevil. I was ones. actually just going to say. I think the problem with this is that um, Luke is Luke's power is not an ability to fight. Luke's power is an ability to you know resist so he doesn't he unlike daredevil or but he doesn't have like a fighting power so the fight choreography there's not like he is stronger though yeah he is but but he also doesn't need to have a fighting power no because he's bulletproof he's totally resistant to pretty much everything but that's the point of the last fight is that he's not you know the last fight should be it is equal yeah and he's uh, but they kind of neglect the fight choreography not i mean both of them are kind of operating from a position of you know, I'm invincible rather than I'm a really good fighter in this way or in this way. Well, it's it's thematically purposeful. The th- theme of that one is, you know, when he keeps just keeps wailing on him and wailing on him, it is the theme of Luke just takes the – but Matt does that too, really. He takes the punishment and then, you know, mm. it, 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 that's what but, Luke is. But he part is. of Matt's um, mythos is that he's been trained and he's got all this expertise in how to fight and how he's Yeah, but so enough. has Luke. We, yeah, they we spent talk- half the season watching him fight. And also we sp- uh, spend a lot that's- of time talking about him boxing people and, oh, my God, we have to talk about Reva, I forgot. But, um, <laughs> but you know, in jail when he's again taught how to box by squabbles, like we see a lot of him being taught how to box. Use boxing moves, you know, like mm. do some boxing stuff. That last fight was literally just him getting wailed on for like minutes at a time while the crowd cheered Luke, which just made me want to cry with how on the nose it was and was how it, cheesy it was. Was it just because for the rest of the season, because he's that sort of indestructible guy who doesn't want to kill anyone, so he just goes around, you know, pushing people into walls and things. And it, that, <laughs> He just slaps them on the yeah, head and knocks them out. Them, it's, it's really great. funny. Yeah, because the boxing is from and before. So, the boxing yeah, is from before. And so they, they didn't really want to 
um, like totally change up how the fight scenes have been for like the whole season just for one because it would be a pretty big difference from what he'd been doing and how they'd been running the show. And I get the idea as well that after the accident, he doesn't, because he's got all this power in him, he doesn't actually want to hit civilians anymore because he knows what kind of damage he'd do to people. Yeah, I get that. But it also means that that last fight is not good. Yeah. So you've got to decide what you're going for. Are you going for, like, making it good or are you going for that thematic consistency? Yeah, or, just... or can you actually manage to blend the two? Because if you can blend the two, then you have a really good show. That's where they need to be trying to get to. They need to try and find a way to blend them to make it work. Sorry, I'm just remembered Diamondback's outfit for that. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> Talk about a terrible comic book oh. outfit. Like, yeah. And that's the, that's the thing as well. Like, He looked so stupid in that bit, but they, they keep teasing comic book outfits through the whole show like they mock they you know he he does the the comic book uh, outfit when he escapes point, which, yeah, yeah with the tiara and stuff which i actually thought was kind of funny or fun but i it's one of those things that these these netflix shows have a real tonal issue with remembering that they're from comic books like they try really really hard to make these like gritty urban violent modern tv shows and then, like, they have to weave in the comic book stuff, and it feels really awkward when you put it up against, like, the way the action, the, sh- the tone of the show actually goes. Yeah, definitely. It would be lovely to have one of these Marvel shows to actually be lighthearted. Yeah, well, the ABC ones are a bit more like that. They're, like, Agent Carter and stuff. Was a bit I mean, more I get it with this because like they've got to feel like they're in the same universe. Somebody was trying to tell me that Luke Cage was more fun. And I'm like, it's not. It's, it's just less violent and less explicit. That's that's uh, why it feels more fun is because there's just less people getting their heads bashed in. Not, that's not true. Not that people aren't getting their heads bashed in, but people there are less people getting their heads bashed in. The sex is less explicit than in Jessica Jones and there's less uh, swearing. The, that sex scene in the first episode was super explicit. Not compared to the ones he does in Jessica Jones. Not even close. I believe, if the internet is to be believed, that you see his junk in the, in uh this show. In well, I Cage. didn't see that, but the ones in Jessica Jones were way, that way more explicit. Katie? No, I, I not. not I, I haven't though. saw it everywhere. <laughs> but I, I don't think it's fun. I don't think it can be described as fun. It's the I, show. No, yeah. Um, it, it's definitely more relaxing to watch than the other ones. I felt felt. I didn't and find because that, of but the, I was frustrated because of the the you know it's just less. And um, and I Luke, found it more relaxing to watch. To be fair, than Daredevil season two and Jessica Jones. But Jessica Jones is is hard to watch because it's that kind of very with your head it messes it's mm. such a kind of specific thing that that kind of he can mind control yeah. it's it it's so, just creeps up your spine all the time yeah i can't even explain the jessica jones thing either like i just know that i felt it's, so disturbed by it that i had to stop at various points particularly through those middle episodes where he takes it to the childhood home that he's recreated yeah rape and loss of agency yeah. and manipulation and that sort of thing yeah i just that upset me like no end whereas i didn't have that in this one but yeah i I mean i but when i was talking about the tonal problems it's across the whole the whole universe the whole universe is designed to be gritty and it does that really really well but it also it it has to make nods to its comic book roots and i think every single one of the shows struggles with that when daredevil puts on the red suit it looks silly when the when jessica yeah (laughs) when 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 trish brings out jessica's jewel suit the jewel suit is terrible by the way uh it looks stupid. Like they're just Yeah, but that's not really that's not what Jessica Jones wears though. So I get that. That's no. kind of fair. Yeah, yeah, but it, it also kind of that's it, it that's it's gotta acknowledge the the comic book side of the story though. And I think all of them have trouble with it. Because it's kind of the comic books of these are very different from comic books. They're interesting, but they're not 
what was yet it? they still are really like awkwardly tied to them at sometimes. Yeah, it's almost it's almost too much. There's this thing that Aisha, I think it's Aisha says at one point where she's like, most of these heroes wear spandex, and you're like, no, they don't. Literally, Spider-Man, I think, of all of them, is the only one that wears spandex, like actual spandex. They're all wearing, like, composite materials that, I mean, none of them look like spandex. I think it's Captain, Captain America once wore spandex. Yeah, in the <laughs> fif- uh, yeah. 40s, in the 40s, he wore spandex once. Like, yeah, but I, I imagine to regular folk, that looks like spandex. You see Captain America in his skin-tight suit, you aren't going it's to say- It's not even skin-tight. Yeah, it's, it's like, not skin-tight. It's tight. like, it looks- Kind of looks like he's wearing a motorbike jacket. Yeah, like <laughs> it's yeah. nowhere near skin tight. <laughs> it's it's, mold, it's contoured though. It's like molded to the contours of his body. Yes, but it's not. It doesn't look anything like spandex. I mean, Matt's black pajamas were like, you know, thinner and more exposing than the than the stuff that Captain America. Yeah, oh, they go another spandex suit. <laughs> oh, Matt's. Yeah, <laughs> don't even talk to me about Matt's Daredevil costume because it makes me so angry. <laughs> no, I was talking about the black pajamas. Oh, the black pajamas aren't spandex. That's a pair of jeans and a black top. Damn it! <laughs> I know because I've studied those clothes very closely. <laughs> yeah, from behind, <laughs> from behind, <laughs> repeatedly. This is. I think I'm just never going to be able to not compare all these things to like what for me is the shining pinnacle of the MCU, which is Daredevil season one, yeah. and and Cap two. Those are like the best things in the MCU. If you can't match up to Cap two in the movies and. Daredevil season one in the shows, then what are you doing? Well, I don't love Daredevil season one as much as you do, clearly, because, yeah, I don't feel that way. All of my, like, the vast majority of my favorite characters are still from Daredevil season one, too. I love Matt, Foggy, Karen, Claire, right? Like, they're my favorites. And now I love Misty, and I like Jess. Um, and that's it. Like, these, these shows keep introducing me to all of these characters, and I'm like, yeah, they're great, but they're not, like getting to me the way that these guys do and i do think part of that is they're just like they're, they're trying so hard to kind of make this this universe different like they there doesn't seem to be any connection between danny and luke luke isn't even from new york he's from where was it georgia. atlanta or georgia wherever yeah. like what luke cage is a new york hero why would you take that away from him that is bananas to me they talked about jessica jones being a rebound for him when she's supposed to be like the person that he ends up with there's no kind of connection whether that happens in the yeah. this universe or not is- and, but I, that's what i mean yeah, that's I what have... i'm talking about they're changing things from the comic book universe that they don't need to change just to change them but like part of the things that worked really well in daredevil season one are things that they carried over from the comics like matt and foggy's relationship which is a massive part of it and which is one of the reasons why i like both of them so much because you get to see them like each other and then karen comes in and you know she gets to see them like each other she starts liking them what have you got for that in i, I really Jones really like or... how they changed karen from the comics i have to say oh yeah i mean <laughs> they really improved her yeah i think that there's space for changes as well i just think they're changing a lot of things that are like in negative ways too, and they they're doing these things like the Luke Cage not being from New York is kind of massive, right? Like yeah, he's the hero of Harlem. Well, the, yeah, the Harlem thing is very important, and, and they're setting up the defenders. And also, um, it, it would make more sense with him. Like he's obviously gone and tried to strike out on his own with his own bar, and and seeing and and being with Jessica and all that. And it would make sense for him, like Claire, to come home to Harlem mm-hmm. when he wants to, like. That, that he's come home to Pops and all these people that he knows and the world that he knows. He did know Pops a little bit before, but not like it, it yeah. doesn't seem like they were established friends or anything. You know, they, no. they were, he was working for him for five months and Pop knows about his powers and that's about it. Mm. Like 
I get that he loved Pop, but everybody loved Pop. There's well, no was real special relationship there. Pop was his wife's people. Yeah, so like he's come so back he to Reaver. Reaver's home. Yeah, which, which is, again weird. we we actually do have to talk about Reaver because holy cow, this was a massive thing in Jessica Jones, and then they just kind of really pulled the rug out from under you with Reaver. And and there's this kind of women are inherently duplicitous and evil vibe going on with Reva, Jessica, um, Mariah, and then Misty when she lies to Luke about being an undercover cop, by the way. She's not going to tell him that. Well, I don't think it's called lying when you're undercover and you don't tell somebody but who he, you are. He is mad yeah, at her yeah. for lying. And then they imply oh, – <laughs> sorry, come. And then they imply at one point that the reason that she's going after him is because their relationship didn't work out. Yeah. When gross. it seems it seems Super like gross. both of them are kind of over it after that one night. Yeah. Exactly. But no, they imply on the show. Luke's like, I'm sorry it couldn't work out between us and you're like, What? Mm. What does that have to do with anything? You're the one who got mad at her about saying not saying that she was a cop, which is bananas because she was an undercover cop. You of all people know what that is like. <laughs> what? Like it's such a bullshit thing for him to be mad about and that's one of the reasons why i got so angry with him early on i think like this is these are all the reasons that kind of pile up for me to not like luke that much i don't dislike him but you know they're not giving me any reasons to like him and when he's doing things like that yeah i know that jessica just you know there was the thing with jessica and that was upsetting but misty did nothing wrong Mm. nothing wrong she did everything right she was doing her job Mm. and i find it very similar that i really wanted to like luke in this and He's he's not he's not unlikable. He's just he doesn't do anything to be that interesting. He's I guess. also quite conservative, like the whole not swearing thing, and the whole and that's kind of that when you when you feed that into yeah, yeah maybe. But like but when you start feeding that into all the other conservative ways that he behaves, it doesn't add up to a very fun character to be around. I think that is part of it. That conservatism, that like son of a preacher, mm. that that kind of old school way of thinking about how men should behave and how women should be yeah. and what their relationship should be with women and things is kind of, that's not going into good territory. Mm. Mm. You talk. <laughs> One of the things I really did like in this show is the flashbacks. I think they did the flashbacks really well, particularly the flashbacks to um, Mariah and Cottonmouth's upbringing. Oh, yeah, Mama Mabel. Yep. Mama Mabel was seriously terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, I actually think I mentioned that actress. That- by the way, is Samuel L. Jackson's wife. Oh, really? Oh, cool. yeah. I actually think I mentioned that something. Uh, we see exactly how Cornell got to the point where he becomes a mo- uh, mob boss. Oh, yeah. Because we see it happen. Yeah. He is a child who is musical and who is creative. He gets really violently pulled out of that by Mama Mabel. Mm-hmm. He gets forced into this other life by shooting this uncle that he likes, but that is also abusing his cousin mm. who then raised him like that family dynamic is really interesting and complicated but we get we understand that mm. much better than i think the diamondback and luke stuff that is all really mm. you know carefully constructed well yeah that's part of cottonmouth being a better villain like i mean obviously he's got a like mahershal ali's a really good actor i've been watching him on um on house of cards and it's really good to kind of like let him run loose the way this show does but he's you see all that complexity in him. He's a rounded character. There's a reason, like there's a strong motivation. There's a, a particular character journey. There's all this kind of, uh, he's not, there's no, there's nothing cartoonish about him, which is the problem with Diamondback. And that's, I think also the interactions between Shades, Mariah and Cornell's really good mm-hmm. and interesting. 
um, how Shades plays them off each other, how Shades is kind of working with Cornell but doesn't really like him, but also kind of respects the way he does things and doesn't like the way that Cornell's offsiders are doing things. All of that stuff is really interesting. Um, there's the bit at the beginning where the kid robs Cornell and shoots someone. So, this is so long ago and I'm really forgetting it. You mean the but first the episode where the... Oh, with the, the gun deal, with yeah. the, where yeah. the three of them, yeah, they, they undermine him. Um, Chico and Dante and the other one, yeah. Uh, I'm glad you remember Well, Dante names. is the one who then one Luke fills in for at the bar. Right. And she, and I, I it's implied that Misty's looking for, it's implied that Misty's looking for Dante because she's up at the bar and she's like, Dante's not working tonight. And he's like, no, I'm filling in. So Dante's gone off to do this deal with Chico and the other guy that, which they're doing. Yeah. Um, they're trying to steal from Cottonmouth. First episode really jarring, particularly because of the way it fits in with the timeline. Like this seems like a totally different person to the one we were left with at the end of Jessica Jones. I, I yep. can't see how these shows all fit together, and I have no idea how they're going to fit Iron Fist into this because they're and even Jessica Jones didn't really link, didn't link to Daredevil at all in any true way. No, but those were like adjacent enough that they that you that you could fit them mm, together. But- Whereas because Luke has come from Jessica Jones into this, it feels like they've just ignored Jessica Jones' timeline entirely yeah. and then had gone him gone from prison to this. And they basically and have make a lot more sense. Oh, and I only realised, like, I was, like, talking about the prison, you know, him getting out of prison then coming to Harlem and Katie's like, no, no, he went to he went to Hell's Kitchen and ran his own place and met Jessica Jones and, all, and I'm like, oh, right, yeah, I'd forgotten because the show had. Yeah. And yeah, Reaver's and- the only link and then Reaver in this is quite different from how we see her in Jessica Jones as well, so... Yeah. Well, Although, like, I you think don't really that's see really her only... in Jessica no, Jones. No, she's like the sainted dead woman. Yeah. Whereas yeah. In, in this, she's um, it's more complicated. Which I think... It's more complicated. Which, which Come is... on. They just completely undermined her entire character in this. That's all they did. They did it for shock value and they did it so that they could have that like link and so that Luke could get over her so that he could go out with Claire. They completely undermined her. That's how I saw it anyway. I just thought that was like... You know, I mean, make her complicated, sure, but they just made her evil. She was straight up evil. I didn't find her evil. Well, she literally <laughs> talks about how she's manipulating Luke the entire time. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't. Yeah, it, I it sort also... of felt like she was stuck, like somehow that she was. But there's no indication of that. There's no indication that she was stuck. Every indication is that she did that of her own accord. She went in there. She was going in there to test out these subjects. She said it herself in those videos. She went in there to choose to test out those subjects, to figure out which ones would be good for this science experiment, and then she chose Luke and she manipulated him using his feelings for her. Mm, it she- was a pure evil woman trope. Yeah. And it was awful. She, she said at some point, uh, I w- wasn't always a psychologist or something like that. Yeah. Did, they, did she ever explain... Nope. Nope. Okay. Oh, that was so strange too. When Luke is in the in the jail, they're having this conversation and he goes to her, did you leave somebody behind on your way as you were becoming a psychologist? And I'm like, how the f*** did you know that? What is that? What is this like prescient Luke bullshit all of a sudden that came out of nowhere? Yeah, particularly because he's not at all for the rest of the season. Yeah, right. <laughs> what is that? And then she keeps going on about how he's intelligent and how he's always thinking. And I'm like, maybe the press scene's got beaten out of him. the opposite of what we've seen from him. Mm, no. I mean, th- they have some things where they tell us he's intelligent. Like, he reads a lot, apparently. 
Yeah, they keep talking about, oh, have you read that book? Have yeah, you read yeah, that book? or books. Oh, male authors too, I noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I think that's because ultimately the show is not as respectful of women as, he, as they think it is. And Chio Hidari Koka actually talked about how it was a love letter to black women. And I was like, mm, this show? This show is not. the love letter to black women? The one where nearly every woman in the show is like in some way duplicitous or a liar? That That same show? Because mm-hmm. the only person... The only woman who is trustworthy in this whole show is Claire. Candace lies, um, Aisha lies, Mar- Mariah lies, Misty lies, Reva lies really big. Like, yeah. it is not a yeah. nice show it, it, for women. No, it does give a lot of black actresses a chance to work, which, which is, is great. great. It gives Alfred um, Wood an amazing role. Yeah, she does have an amazing role. I think it, I feel like it's probably true to black male experience. A lot of the men, black men's experience, I think that in that sense, I, I mean, obviously I can't know, but it seems like it's it's done a pretty good job there. Well, Chia Hodari Koki is a black man. Yeah, so he's done a good job there. And in terms of Marvel giving a black man his own show, they've. But I mean, we are a feminist podcast. Yeah, I know, I know. This is something but, that we but, nearly need to talk about, and I right. do not think this is a feminist show. Uh, but I, that's what I mean. Like, I don't think he's done that either. I agree with you. Yeah. But he, I think he. he May well have captured the black male experience, but he's well, not done much like for the women. He thinks he did, yeah, which is worrying to me. It seems like he thinks he did a really great thing for black women in this show, and you're like, I mean, really, apart from like Misty and Mariah are great roles, but I mean, look at poor Candace. Yeah, talk about being punished for li- for what she did. You know, that was she just gets brutally shot for yeah, having the, lied after she tries to fix the it. poor girl who's stuck in this job where she's terrified of her boss but she's too scared to leave and then mm-hmm. they take advantage of that and pay her money and like she's and, and yet get, we never see anything yeah. from her perspective she's hope mm-hmm. from jessica jones mm-hmm. you know she's that character where you get really frustrated because you're like but this we should be feeling for this girl yeah why are we not feeling for this girl and they you almost know? do a bit of like victim blaming for her as well you're like I told her to stay put, you know. Yeah, yeah. She's dead because she was stupid and things like and that. And it wasn't because she was stupid. It was because <laughs> Misty had her phone stolen and forgot about it. Yeah. She didn't really. Well, she, I mean, she had been shot. <laughs> she also didn't really forget about it. Um, she'd been shot earlier. It wasn't in that. So she she get, loses her phone in the barber shop, and then right That's afterwards right. there's the massive fight. So she doesn't get a chance to do anything about mm. it because she's trying to yeah. s- sort out like, this yeah, it was it was Shades who manipulated, and we know from the very start that Shades is kind of the worst. Like he, I love and kind of the best. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's kind of amazing because he's like this outsider who's managed to like become part of the center of this world, and he like he's just he loves manipulating people and playing them, and he's very very clever at doing so. Do Shades have any powers? No, no. Well, not as far as we know. I think he does. Yeah. I think he knows when people are lying. Ah. When he takes his sunglasses off. He does it a bunch of times early on in the show. Like he'll he'll talk to Mariah and then he'll ask her a question and take his shades off to hear the answer. Oh. I thought they were just for emphasis. I thought they might be too, but then I started <laughs> thinking, well, every single time he does that, he seems to then know exactly what's going on. So I thought he might be able to tell when people are lying when he took his sunglasses off. That would be really cool if that were true. That that would also explain why he's called Shades and be mm. kind of a comic booky thing. Yeah, and yeah. At the start of the show, I kind of thought Misty might have powers, but I it just seems like it was just the way they were expressing how she 
remembered things. I think she does, though. Yeah, but I think she does as well. I don't know. I haven't got her yet in Avengers Academy, but they brought her in as a character to Avengers Academy I've just got as this show started. <laughs> she, how, does she have powers? She does. And one of her powers is that she is a um, super detective or something like that. Well, she <laughs> has the mind palace, right? Right, right the mind palace. She can thing. do the mind palace, which is... And she talks about how she she's the girl who sees everything. Seeing is my thing. I see everything in these pictures. They tell me things. I think she has powers. I think that yeah, I think she actually already of- does, but people don't see it. The way that it is. So it's some kind of like super intelligence or ability to visualize like photographic type memory type type mm-hmm. thing. I don't know. It's something like yeah. that. It might be one of those things similar to Daredevil that they're never really going to answer. Yeah. And, it, and it, yes, it could be. And it could be a bit like um, Trish on, on Jessica Jones where they're not, I don't think they're going down the Hellcat route with her either. And her That's powers. such a shame because the Hellcat storyline is the crazy. What is the Hellcat storyline? She like, she dies and goes to hell and then gets re- gets resurrected by Satan with cat powers. Of course she does. Okay, <laughs> I didn't. Amazing. I, I'm just been reading the Kate Leth comic. I didn't know that backstory to it. I just knew she had powers. No, it's, but she's got it's like amazing. yeah. But her powers are like extrasensory stuff and her reflexes and things like that. So did you know? Cool. Do you know how I learned that? Avengers Academy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> she literally that's her backstory. So I I mean like you know if they actually had the the show where Trish dies, goes to hell, and comes back with cat powers, and then like. Yeah, she. it's hilarious. It just cracks me up. So, that's Hellcat. The thing about Trish, I think, I didn't never really connected to Trish, but I don't think it's any fault of the, like, actor or anything. I think it's partly just because they didn't introduce Trish particularly well, and by the end of the season, I liked her more. Mm, I, I, I Yes and no. So, I think they didn't introduce her very well, but I liked her very quickly. Okay. She was mm. one of my favorites in that show. It could just be that I make, like, first impressions way too quickly, um, which has been a problem for me in the past. <laughs> in the past. <laughs> yes. Ah. Well, everything is in the past right now, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but, like, it is a problem. Like, I, I make these first impressions and then it's really hard for me to change them. And part of my first impressions, because the very first time we see Trish, she's like, I don't want to help you, Jessica. Like, mm. you don't get any sense that they're... F- they like each other. You know, the, the, it takes a f- quite a few episodes to warm up to that stuff. And I think that Luke Cage also picked up some of the worst things from Jessica Jones, like that persecution stuff, everybody blaming him for things that just because somebody else told them to, um, the characters that are one-note characters that you just don't, like the Hope Candace link and also the Aisha twincess neighbor link. I can't remember that character's name, but God, I hated every single second I had to sit through that character. I think just just talking about Trish, though, I've just realized Luke is missing, like, a best friend or a sidekick. Yeah, because Danny's his best friend. Mm. And they didn't link – they could have at least said, oh, my friend – my best friend is, like, away in Asia or whatever. But, you know, Danny's is – that's the bromance. Like, you – that is the bromance in the comics, right? Mm. Like, the Danny-Luke thing is is epic and, and everybody knows about it. But these shows just seem to have decided not to do that, which is a huge yeah. But dam- even, da- at damage even to if those they couldn't have Danny in the show, he needed some. There needed to be like a civilian, like a like a foggy, like a Trish, who was there alongside the hero because kinda, to humanize him a bit. They kind of tried to do it with the guy in the barbershop. Yeah, with his name. Pop. Fish. Oh, fish. Pop. Yeah. Fish. Yeah, they, they, yeah, but fish they forgot existed for like seven. Episodes. Yeah, and, yep. and the, he's also he's also not like a peer fish. Like Pop is kind of you know the mentor, the wise old man kind of character more than like he's he's not really a peer. 
Pop was so interesting and deserved so much better. I know. I wish I wish he'd had a few more episodes. Like I, I get why he had to die, but it, the few more episodes to explore that story would have been great. Yeah. Expand the first six episodes to the whole season. Yeah. They could yeah. have had heaps of time to explore those relationships, really establish a relationship between Luke and Pop where we get to like them and then, you know, we have to – they have to give us more to like. And there's nobody who – I think the other reason why – through it a bit. Uh-huh. I think the other reason why Misty is the best character is because she's the outsider character whose point of view we see things from who steps into this stuff, mm. right? Like, she's that's who she is, really. Yeah. Um, she's the, you know, for some reason the only char- character that's coming to mind right now is she's the Gwen from Torchwood or she's the, like, that character that – or Karen. She's the Karen. Yeah. She's the one who comes in. This is all new to her. She doesn't know about Luke. And she has to kind of figure it out while she's coming to like some of these people and stuff. That's what makes Misty the best character rather than... And then her relationship with Luke is so tense and so fragile that I think that's part of the reason why it's hard for some of us to connect with Luke. Yeah. Because she's the point of view character. We're seeing it from her point of view and Luke's being rude to her. Mm. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, I think they. That's another thing of them picking up all the worst things from Jessica Jones, though, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, because there's no point of view character in Jessica. There's no, yeah. You get Malcolm who doesn't come off drugs till halfway through the season. You know, there's no yeah. kind of. Was he supposed person. to be the point of view character? Wasn't supposed to be Trish. I mean, it can't be Trish. She knows she's known Jessica for her whole for her whole life, right? Yeah. But mm, and yeah. she knows about David Tennant. Oh, great. right. Sorry. The- Point of view of the audience. Sorry, I was. Th- I'm, I've got my mind thinking about BFFs. Excuse me. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it probably is meant to be Malcolm. Otherwise, there is. So isn't we're one. all supposed to be on drugs to watch that show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like Malcolm's who? Who adorable. else could it be? Yeah. The the twincess neighbor. <laughs> like, <laughs> the worst character in the show. Mm. Like that's yeah. That, and that was we talked about this when we did Jessica Jones actually, but that was a problem that I really had with Jessica Jones. Was that, that there's some very basic blocks of storytelling that these shows are neglecting? Mm. Yeah, including like how to stretch it out over a whole season. Right. Uh, um, okay. The other thing I feel like we need to talk about is the Iron Fist trailer. Oh, right. Yes. That we just saw this morning and I've only seen once. Yes. The was, Iron Fist trailer it, just dropped. Yeah. It felt like after watching Luke Cage, it felt like a step backwards, I have to say. A big step backwards. Like, it's super Luke racist. Cage, yeah, basically. Um, like, Luke Cage did so much, like in in terms of representation in its show, it worked so hard. And we t- we talked about how it didn't do black women a, a service, but it did black men a service, and it did it brought in the history and the culture and language and all that kind of stuff. And it just seems like a real step back. It's funny, and especially it- as we're about to get Doctor Strange as well in like a week, which has got the same a lot of the same problems. Before I get to that, um, Jessica Jones, I think, and Luke Cage, it's almost like they went, oh, this one's the one for the women and this one's the one for the black guys, uh-huh. and there's no intersectionality between them. Yeah, no, they haven't. Mm. there's nothing for the black women or the Asian women or the Asian guys. Or Yeah. Yeah. What we were talking about, though, with the racism, Marvel seems particularly racist against Asians. Like, really, really, ra- they appropriate their culture. They won't cast... Apparently, there's a guy called Justin Tan who very nearly did get cast in Iron Fist. Oh, really? Yeah, he was. He talked about it on Twitter. That's he nice. almost played Iron Fist, and they went with Weak Chin instead. Like it's so, um, it's so awful. And that trailer is is Iron Fist beating on Asian guys for the whole thing. It sets it up so that Colleen Wing, 
the other like major character in it is set up as a threat, untrustworthy. untrustworthy. I believe they almost they, people you can't trust. I believe set, is said over her entrance to the trailer. Yep. Mm. yep. So you can't trust women again, especially Asian women. Uh, it is like the the white savior thing is just immediately there. He's our greatest warrior. Yeah, he's the special. He's the white savior. He's everything that's wrong with the comics mm. is just right there. And that's exactly the same problem with Doctor Strange. Oh, we have a problem with this one racist caricature of a character. Let's cast a white woman as him. Yeah. Uh, the Iron Fist trailer just seems so, like, yes, racially a step backwards, like, big step backwards. But it also just seemed boring. Like, I feel like I've seen this before. Yeah, because mm. it's, I mean, it's Daredevil, but, yeah. like, all the problems with Daredevil, yeah. uh, uh, like, magnified. Hugely magnified. Yeah. And all the stupid Chosen One stuff. And especially when we've just come through something like Luke Cage where that's more, you know, it's a bit more complex. It's like, and Jessica Jones as well. I have these powers. What's my responsibility? How should I use them? Like that kind of ne- gentle negotiation of these powers, not just chosen one. Yes, you're you're the only hope kind of crap. Ugh, I hated that. It, it does seem so to be it's very possible that in six another... months we won't be doing an Iron Fist episode. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm still going to watch it. Um, Is that in six months? March next year, I think. Yeah, they're doing. I th- they might end up doing three next year because um, I feel like they have to to get them got, all out. They've, they're doing a Punisher solo series mm. of all things. Really? Um, yeah. 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 Um, but it's only. Oh no! And Defenders. Well, I guess he didn't get a whole season. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exactly. So Defenders. <laughs> is yeah, getting but does a show. he need one? Really? What are you going to do with Punisher for a whole season? I don't know, shoot people. He's got two movies. Yes, and neither of them were very successful because <laughs> both of them were just Punisher isn't a character that you can focus on as a solo character. People like him because he does a really good job as a supporting character to show up the morals of the main character and be a mirror to that. Being his own main character in a show is or a comic or a movie is kind of a big yeah. fail because there's no grey in the Punisher's world. And I do wonder what they're going to do. Know. Maybe they'll have a hero to be the foil to Punisher. Yeah. Well, Karen's going to be in it. Maybe it can be her show. Well, I do, but I do wonder because Punisher, Punisher had this wonderful origin story in the first four episodes of Daredevil Season 2. So You mean his family getting fridged? Yeah. Well, that's, that's Punisher's origin, right? But yeah, I was, know, but I wouldn't say wonderful. Well, but it, it is, though. Like, how do you start the show if you've already got – how do you make a new show about him if you've already done all that oh. stuff? Because you sp- like, there's a whole episode where, um, with him, him and Matt on the roof and stuff. Yeah. Like, how do you, uh, how how do you start a new show about him when they've got this this great little arc about him already? Just do what they did with Luke Cage. Completely ignore the previous season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are an awful lot of people that I've seen who are very excited about the Punisher solo show, and I'm like, I don't. How? Why? He's not a character. He's a he's a again a cipher. He's not a fully fledged human being. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder how they're going to do it. Anyway, I believe yeah, it's getting released next year as well as the Defenders. And I don't know if Defenders comes first. Probably Defenders will come first. I would assume yeah. so because I, I would assume they're going to follow up. But they are shooting Punisher now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Defenders actually. Mm. I'm really looking forward to Matt interacting with all these other people. Partly because I think that will make all the other people more interesting to me because Matt will be there. Yeah, I think I will. I think. It's going to be better once we get them all together as well, I have to say. I was so cranky because, like, there's all this bit where Claire's like, oh, I know a really good lawyer. And I was like, yes, take her up on the offer of the really good lawyer. Nothing. It's not going to happen, Katie. It just Why? isn't. Why? Because I actually did expect it to happen. I thought I s- there would be some sort of crossover. Well, I, I, was I, was expecting, foggy. 
I was expecting a crossover back when Jessica Jones came out, but I've learned from experience that that's not going to but happen. But they have Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Yeah. So, yeah. like, they're perfectly So that they could get their relationship out of the way so that they don't actually have to worry about the fact that they're together in the comics or something. Yeah, that's well, just... uh, maybe. I wonder, in my head, I'm assuming eventually they will go down the comics route and they will get together and have the baby that they're supposed to have and all that. But I just, uh, like, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones are, you know, interwoven with one another. But but based on the shows at the moment, I can't see that happening. Yeah, particularly And also, why why are Luke Cage and Jessica Jones interwoven, but Matt doesn't get to be interwoven with anybody else? Yeah, his, but his, the, his, the way they did the relationship, like with Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, they spent this, you know, this whole arc of him getting over Reva and, and like, constantly having that, prop, like, turmoil with, with himself. And then in this season, they're like, oh, never mind, she's evil. Mm. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. It makes Jessica look better. That... Making Reva evil was a very calculated and very poor decision, I think. Mm. And th- I don't think they're going to keep Luke with Claire because Claire can't like get too close to anyone for too long for exactly the same reason that she didn't stay with Matt, right? That's it. Just doesn't. Plus, all... she's got to go to Iron Fist. Now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, all the all the reasons. Yeah. The, well, the... she's free. It's not like Luke's going to be around. He's in yeah. jail. The, and there's yeah, there's very very good reasons for her not to actually permanently hook up with any of them. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, Luke is, has been arrested. He's got to go deal with the charges that he's up on. I'm pretty, they, I mean, they've got the file, so that's going to be dealt with fairly quickly. But I wouldn't surprise me if we come back into the next season of Jessica Jones or and or Luke Cage with them getting together. Do you know which um, one's first? Jessica Jones has already had an announced season two. Luke Cage hasn't, so I'm guessing it's first. Um, it's after Defenders. Um, 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 the whole thing with Pops... Like catchphrase being always forward, never backwards, always forward, forward, always. That's a really then, shitty catchphrase too. And then the very last episode, Luke's in the car and he goes, sometimes backwards. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Just that's, the, that's that thing that I was talking about with the contradictions where literally the show will contradict itself in order to justify its own bullshit. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Well, it's also that that almost feels like they're making fun of their own shitty lines. But then, I don't know, then then they have a whole episode called Siempre, which is all about people saying always, all the time. Ugh, that was annoying. There are so many things that I, I do. I think the writing on this this show was just not up to the standard that it should have been. Mm. Well, as you were saying. Especially not up to the standard of the amazing performers and that gorgeous direction and that gorgeous sound. There's a sound, one episode where the sound design I really liked. Yes. Oh, my God. I watched, like, regular TV after just watching an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I was, like, sitting there going, this is awful sound editing. Because all of these shows have this wonderful sound editing. Yes, but wonderful. it's also a much better show. But, yeah, the, oh, the sound design in Ray this. Holt on it, and he's the best Yeah, ever but the ever. sound design on this, you're right. The whole, the, the soundscape of this, the use of music and the way they work the score was just amazing. And the live music. Sorry, Jamie, you were. Oh, I was just saying that on the way over here, Katie was saying that she liked every second episode. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. That's no. That's kind of how I felt that every second episode was better written than than, than the one after it because I would remember all these lines in the episode before. Then an episode would start the one where Claire dropped Luke in the acid, and she was like, "Sometimes you just have to throw the science out and go with what works." Was a particularly badly written episode. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I thought you might have a problem with that at least. Yeah, but at least we got Captain Abalone out of it. That's true. But I mean, part of that was her like scientifically figuring it out. And then saying that we have to drop the science. And I'm like, no, no, you just use science. Yes. Yes, it was very stupid. Yeah. yeah. Also, a- another one of those ridiculous things where they're like, oh, in order to kill Luke Cage, we have to use the magic bullets. And then Mariah's like, immediately, why do you have to use magic bullets? Just drown him. 
and then they literally drop it and go back to the magic bullet plan. Yep. Or <laughs> smother him. Or, like, there's a million ways you can kill a person that I'm aren't really, bullets and or knives. Or I'm really disappointed that they never try to, you know, just drug suffocate him? him or drug him or poison him or anything. Yeah. They're just like, no, nope, we've got to use this a super expensive magic bullets. Must be guns or knives. Like, really? That's, Boys. Yeah. It's because they're men. And, and American as well. So guns. And Mariah's thinking, you know, smarter. Yeah, like yeah. She always is because she's always smarter than everybody else around her. Mm-hmm. I mean, just getting to watch Alfred Wooded. And also, Mariah was really great because she wasn't, like, th- people talk about her being really cold and really calculating, but then you get to see her in private and she cries and she mm-hmm. gets upset and she kind of breaks down a little bit, but she always gets it back together before somebody shows up. And I think Shade sees that. And that's yeah. all, that's such a fun dynamic. That's really interesting. Um, and I like that they kind of show her in, in that sense, I, for once, I actually like that they're showing her to be something different than what people are saying. Yeah. Because it's showing that what people are saying is wrong. But if they're going to do that, then really what you end up with is Luke Cage is not what everybody thinks he is because everybody keeps talking about him one way and you're showing him to be something different. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's, she's got an offsider as well, like a staffer who also I think sees a bit of that Was side Alex? of Alex? Yeah, I think that's his name. He does, he like, at first he's like, you know, a political staffer who does everything she needs and then eventually he ends up killing someone on her behalf. Like you just, you see this blind, really serious loyalty to her. Um, and it, but, she inspires that in people. Yeah. She really shades does. just completely switches yeah. his loyalty over to her by the end of the season. Mm, he, um, it's, it's great. Yeah, it was interesting because there's, there's like an episode where it looks like Shades is trying to manipulate her into doing what he wants her to do and then by the end of the episode end yeah. of the, like an episode or two later it seems like it's totally reversed yep that also, is the power of mariah i think it's not just that shades was trying to manipulate her but he kind of saw in her a way of a, a, a kinship like we both mm. want the same things I, I guess but when when we first have that interaction it almost seemed like he was talking down to her a lot. yeah she calls she says he's talking down to her and he's like yeah he gets called out on that. I think I just think that's such an interesting dynamic, those two. Mm. You could talk about Mariah for hours. She's so fascinating. I, I was thinking about it before as well, like the whole, you know, she says one thing, and, but in reality she's really awful and conniving and scheming and stuff like that. But she's just fascinating. Like yeah. the whole – I, I never, was never in any doubt as to why she is the way she is and so, how she became this way. And It just begs the question as to why did they introduce Diamondback at all? Why not just have Mariah be the big bad for the second half of the season? Exactly. Or keep Cornell alive longer. Sure. (laughs) Keep Cottonmouth alive longer. You could have transitioned into Mariah being the big bad for the second half. Yeah, but she needs somebody. And then she could have actually drowned him. (laughs) Because there is an interesting thing that goes on in the second half where she's got to work out whether she wants to take over his business. Mm -hmm. And she she kind of doesn't want to. She doesn't think that's her, except that it is her down to her very core. And she yeah. has to work through that. Mariah is the big bad, bad of the season and she wins. Yes. That, I think, is the biggest frustration of all of Luke Cage is that they accomplish nothing. The only thing Luke does is put Diamond back in prison. Mm. And Diamondback... I feel like it's more that Diamondback puts himself in prison. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah Diamondback he Just by walking around going, mine is stupid. an evil laugh. <laughs> like... Well, Cornell is much more mine. Is like, Cottonmouth laughs every time that um, yeah. <laughs> every time he's about to murder someone. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's but but awesome. he pulls it off because yeah, you can see exactly what he's going through and why he then finds that particular situation funny. And or then he wh- doesn't find it funny, but he wants somebody else to think he's finding it funny. Yeah, but yeah. like he's totally believable yeah. in 
all of his decisions and choices. Cottonmouth's a real character. Yeah. And yeah. Diamondback, Diamondback is, is a pantomime villain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What does Luke accomplish in his own show? He starts off as a person, like a floor sweeper and dishwasher, and he ends up in jail, having accomplished what exactly? He takes a couple of maybe minus, like, villains off the street and Diamondback, who was only there because he's there in the first place. Mm. What's the growth? What? what? Yeah. I I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I the growth is anything. that, like, and he's not running sh- away anymore. Yeah, he's not running away. But, but, but should- that wasn't a major thing in the first no, place. No, and there should be some kind of story about him, and, and it doesn't happen, like, like unless they they tell us it happens, but I don't think it does, of him learning to accept responsibility for his powers, but that doesn't quite happen. Yeah. That would be great, actually. Learning for, for him learning to maybe even embrace them. Yeah, and that doesn't He's still really... kind of terrified of them, isn't he? Yeah, it's interesting. In a show called Luke Cage, it's not really about Luke Cage coming to no, terms with his powers. Do you know powers. who grows in this show and learns stuff? Misty. Misty. <laughs> Mariah. Yep. Misty yep. and Mariah get the best arcs of the season. They are the hero and the villain of the show. Yep, yeah, definitely. It's got nothing to do with, ultimately with Cottonmouth right. and Diamondback and Luke Cage. Yeah, yeah. it's the it's Misty, the Misty and Mariah, Mariah show interspersed with some action. Ima- imagine if, <laughs> if instead of announcing season two Luke Cage, they announce season one of Misty Knight. That would be amazing. Yes, please. That would. Yeah, no, I would much rather watch a show about Misty. She's much more interesting. Yeah, like infinitely more interesting, because everything about Mystique is kind of. Like, she will do things that you absolutely don't agree with and you'll be 100% on her side. You know what I mean? Well, I didn't feel that way. I, she would do things I would, didn't agree with and I was like, why? But then I also understood why she was doing them. Yeah. That's kind of what, yeah, I think being on her side is like being or by her side. Like, yeah. But uh, there were definitely it. times when I was like, oh, Misty, you idiot. Yeah. Like, there, uh, in the second, the last episode, I was like, Misty, secure your witness. Yeah. How does Shades work out? All this, did, did well, she, he sees her drop the phone at the barber shop. He's at the bar- mm-hmm. and he picks it up, and-, and then there's just like super secret Candace number, like on the like her hotkeys at the front. Is that what's well, going I on? I guess she no. Looks, he she he probably looks, didn't delete her texts. Yeah, he probably just looked at the messages. Uh, and obviously, she doesn't have a phone locked with her thumbprint like every other person in the universe nowadays. Yeah, tell yeah. me about it. Somebody hacked it. Like Shades and- is also a master hacker. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I mean, maybe he took off his glasses and looked at it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I don't know, but also like it wouldn't you wouldn't put it past him to see a text on her phone and then just follow it and and probably it, her most recent recent messages would be to all to um what's her face Candace at least yeah. they give a reason for it though there was a lot of things in this show where people would just happen like just come across people using their psychic abilities which is a problem with every single Marvel thing ever yeah <laughs> it's like the problem of convenience and the problem of convenience was a big one in Luke Cage especially in episode one he happens to work at Cottonmouth's place where all this is happening and also at Pops those are the two places that he happens to work in yeah. well, I, well I sort of thought that they'd done that I mean partly for convenience obviously but also like like places that are the center of the community so like they're the big employers in town in all of Harlem, two big employers. Well, Luke works wh- wh- which is the, the, one the, tiny barbershop, which well, I get because it was one of the... F- the club in particular, though, Cottonmouth's probably a big employer. Like, a yeah. club well, like that would have heaps of stuff. I think it's an employer of people who have been in prison. Yeah. And, and the, there's very then again, few... he's not... And that, that's but like, nobody knows he's been in prison. Yeah. Except Pop. Yep, I know, but Cottonmouth doesn't. Well, but the Cottonmouth's restaurant manager clearly does because he's been asked to be paid under the table. 
But he doesn't know yeah, that the, that's because in the he first, was in prison. Yeah, in the first few episodes, it seemed like that people knew he was in prison. And because that was just my impression yeah, of the, the first few episodes. Well, and then it wasn't until later that we realized he was like, had was a totally different name Carl and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And I was like, yeah. what? Luke Cage being from Georgia or Carl Lucas being from Georgia doesn't make any sense because it seems like when he walks around Harlem that people know him and he knows people. And even even down to the fact that he's gotten a job with two of the sort of big men on campus around Harlem sort of indicates that he's spent a lot of time there and now he's back again, you know, prodigal son kind of thing. So, yeah. Also, the fact that he opened and ran his own business and then goes back and is a literally washing dishes and sweeping hair off the floor is weird it's it's a weird yeah. trajectory yeah that's why I mean, it's so just... hard to get into the first episode and it, but the, then the next few episodes are really good yeah luke cage's whole trajectory though is like he's a man who was falsely accused by his brother goes to jail gets superpowers breaks out of jail with the duplicitous snake of a woman that he falls in love with, opens his own bar. Oh, no, she dies, right? Or did he open she, his she, own bar and then he dies? No, she dies as a saint and then he opens his own bar. I'm so, sure. oh, I'm guessing something. But he's got, he gets out, they get married, live How together. How does he open the bar? They, obviously, he, like, there's been some... I mean, he's pretty strong. I don't <laughs> pretty sure not much is going to stop him opening it. <laughs> What's the money that he used? Who gave that's it? I don't know. Life no insurance. No, Who knows? But, but, actually, yeah, like, you're not probably not wrong. But Reva, but Reva can't be working as a prison psychologist anymore after Luke escapes because that whole program gets shut down. So she's got to get a new job. They're like she probably also has to have a new identity because she yeah she gave them both new identities. Yeah, yeah, that. exactly. And so they've both got to find jobs. So, they, but yeah, you, actually, you probably got life insurance for Reva's death and opened the bar with that. That wouldn't surprise me. So then they they open their bar. And Reva dies, right? Yeah. The bar is called Luke's, really undercover. Um, <laughs> Wait, but it's his fake name. It's his f- yeah, that's right. I Reva's, know that, Reva's but dies. He everybody's, opens a bar. Like, everybody's going to go, oh, let's go to Luke's. Who runs that? Luke. Everybody's going to know Luke. He clearly struggles with being undercover because in this season, it's like, everyone's like, does he have superpowers? Yeah, he has superpowers. Okay. <laughs> and the, like, the, again, speaking about his intelligence level, but um, like, so he opens this bar that's Luke's and it's successful and people like it. And, you know, it seems to be doing really well. And then it explodes and he goes back to, ha- he goes to Harlem where, when did they live in Harlem? At what point in this timeline? Luke and Reva ex- escaped from prison and then went back to Harlem, but everybody thought that, like, Reva had to get, get herself a new identity and went back well, to also, Harlem. Didn't, didn't get any insurance money from the bar blowing up, but like. He, you know, he may not have wanted to get insurance because he was laying so low. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is what I mean. He's not laying low at any like he's not laying low if he's opening this bar. Even if I know it's his fake name, but it's not laying low to call your bar Luke's when you're going by the name Luke. That isn't got laying low. Also, it would be laying low to call it like Cheers or something and be running it and be called Luke. You know, <laughs> like everybody's not going to go. Oh, let's go to Luke's. I wonder who runs that. And I don't know, Carl Lucas, like. Yeah, speaking of not laying low, is when he constantly wanders around. His last name was Lucas. Full of bullet holes. Yeah, I know. Right? And just is like, no one's going to notice me, even though he's like clearly like who would Riddled walk around in a shirt well, full of holes. There's a point also at which he's actually like a wanted man, and he just wanders down into the street and like goes and goes to the bodega or something. To everyone's after him. He's all over the news, and he's like, oh, you know what I need right now? I need a can of drink. Like yeah. that is definitely what I'm going to do. Well, just like streets. waltz down goes to Pop's place. Yeah, which 
they would clearly be watching because yeah. they know that's one of his, you know, bases. Yeah. But apparently he can just waltz around wherever he like. Maybe yeah. That's one of his other he just superpowers. wanders around wanders around all the time. I mean, yeah, but I mean, most people can't stop him unless they have the Judas bullets. Right. So and really there, and there was right something the very cute about the whole um, neighborhood, like all the men starting to walk around in bullet riddled hoodies. Like that was really cute. Like mm. the folk, the way he became a folk hero and like the stories passed from person to person. I feel like they almost needed to do that earlier. Yeah. To yeah, make and more. his, his like, I don't know, him one be like more believable yeah, as well, that hero. Yeah. And- like when he first arrives in Harlem, oh, this guy is called Luke Cage. Apparently, he's bulletproof, and it passes like you know through these conversations from person to person, kind mm. of thing. And we get a couple of Trish voiceovers, but that's about it. Yeah, on the radio, yeah. And then there's like an actual real radio show that um, Method but again, Man goes that on was and like sings really late in yeah, yeah. in the season. Mm-hmm. It's also pretty much a, entirely designed to showcase um, their special celebrity guest and his song that is going to be on the soundtrack that you can now purchase <laughs> on iTunes. <laughs> and. And with everyone wandering around in bulletproof, but bullet hole hoodies, yeah, that it would now be more believable that he'd be able to wander around, yeah. without being noticed. Yes, but earlier than that, not. So but much. it happens yeah. earlier than that. And but there's also a point. But he is also like six foot four and built like a brick shit house and like bald and really conspicuous. He's hard to miss even when he's not wearing his hoodie. But they also did that thing where Diamondback was pretending to be oh, Luke Cage. Oh, I know. And that was ridiculous because Diamondback has the stupidest teeth in existence <laughs> and looks nothing like, like him. Diamondback's dentures are clearly not... He doesn't look a thing like Luke Cage. How is... I mean, there might have been like a play on things of like white people can't tell the difference yeah, between black guys in hoodies. Thing. No, Except but that they're the in Harlem. Black. He's trying to fool... Other black people who have probably met Luke because everyone's been to Pops for a haircut. And the guy is the guy who um who like the you know, the the cop gets killed with the punch in front of a black guy who then tells the police. So that's not it. No. Um and it's also um it's, he he walks up to him, he goes, I'm Luke Cage. Yeah. Luke Cage is my name, guys. Mist- Luke Cage. Yeah, yeah. that's me. Punch. Like- the only one who questions that. Yeah. Literally, the rest of the cops are like, oh, okay, it was Luke Cage. That was easy. I'm Luke Cage, definitely. He I think definitely there's a clue there. High profile. <laughs> that's what a lot of the cops were like, though. They were like, mm, a clue. <laughs> Everybody said it was Luke Cage, and he said his name was Luke Cage. That is a clue. Um, yeah, that stuff was like, really, you guys? Oh, also, Mariah. Am I being charged with anything? No, you can go. Really? Based on what? That Candace died? They and they really suspect her of killing her? Like I understand the, that the only evidence-, evidence they had was the tape of Candace. Yes, I know, but that that was the only evidence that they had at that moment, but it was an open investigation into her. Surely they could have Yeah, been- but they don't usually arrest someone until they've got enough evidence to have a case so. to, to, yeah. to take them to yeah. court. So I, I was just like, you can't hold on to her for like, I don't know, like a couple more hours and no. try and go and look like, into things. Yeah. Well, they probably, still, but they, they probably still could, have that But, but Mar- Mariah's probably got enough powerful friends that they it would be a bit awkward for them to do so. And also, yeah, like her sorority sister is the police inspector. So that's what I mean. I uh, Yeah. They were talking about how she's not corrupted, but I'm like, mm, she kind of is. Well, she kind of is. That, well, that's the, that's an interesting one as well, because it's it's like how... Um, cor- corruption sometimes just manifests as, you know, patronage. Yeah. 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 And that was interesting because that also usually is a sort of it's a white, white privilege thing. thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I kind of liked that Harlem was like, an- felt like another character and they well- really went into the history of Harlem. And I think mm. they could have done a lot more with that. I feel like the whole season was kind of unfocused in a lot of those areas. Like, oh, we want to talk about, 
you know, black men in hoodies getting shot. We want to talk about police corruption. We want to talk about police violence towards black people. We want to talk about the use of the N-word. We want to talk about all these things within the context of the show, but none of that fits within the plot of our show. So how are we going to do that? And a lot of it feels really awkward and and like it doesn't quite fit because you know mm. one week they're all like oh luke cage is the reason that my shop is being robbed i hate luke cage and then the next week they're like luke cage is a folk hero even though we're pretty sure he killed some people like it it's really odd to see the the trajectory of like when he's a hero and when he's a villain to certain people especially since the whole show seems to all have taken place in the approximately two weeks they're trying to do too much yep. it's like if they'd just drawn out that first drawn half. out those yeah that first half they could have spent a lot more time on the weaving in the black history and the Harlem as a character kind of stuff, which they did really well, but it would have made it a lot better if it was if there wasn't quite so much crazy plot going on. They kind of almost did that better with the villains and the other people in the show than they did with Luke. Well, yes. Like, yeah. Mariah's the one out making speeches and, like, using all the Black Lives Matter rhetoric and stuff like that. And so- pretty much any time that Mariah and Cottonmouth were together were fantastic. Mm. Yes, like that. Some of those their scenes together gave me chills, and I also feel like it would have been nice to get a build up to the scene where Mariah kills Cottonmouth. Mm. I thought it worked really well that it was sort of out of the blue, though. It was very shocking. Mm. I did it was not very see that coming. That's true. I think it might have been nice to see that that flashback scene before he killed her, before she killed him, and things like that. Mm. Like, just a restructure of this season would have been really good for it. But again, it. like, that would have made a fantastic season finale because that was the one that yeah. would have, But that left me wanting to watch the next episode more than any of the others. Yep. Whereas the end of this season finale, I was like, meh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's a shame. Luke's in prison again. Oh, well. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's that done. Yeah, I guess I'll watch it when it comes back next. Yeah. <laughs> when someone reminds me. And I'll have forgotten the plot because it's, um, like, two years away. Yeah, yeah and I... <laughs> I would have really liked it to have been something that I got really into. I I came to, I really wanted to love it. You know, I really wanted to like Luke. And I think I, I was kind of apprehensive because I didn't on Jessica Jones. He just wasn't much of a character. But that continued on this show. I just didn't feel like they, he wasn't, you know, there wasn't enough of him as a person, as a human being, for that to happen. But, like, it's really frustrating because I really wanted to like him and I really wanted to like the show and I really wanted to root for him and be on his side and be interested in all of the stuff that it was trying to talk about and have this awesome black superhero. I just don't think he's the guy. Hmm. I I don't know. Like, for me, it's hard because the Luke Cage, Captain America person is not a character that I'm ever particularly enthralled by. I always find them pretty boring, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't think Luke Cage is any worse than Captain America. I, I think, I don't think as a, as a con- conceptually, he's not. I just don't think that Mike Coulter and the writers put as much into it as they do into Captain America. And that's why he didn't work as well. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but I just didn't feel it. And I was really wanting to, it yeah. was really frustrating for me, but also Captain America has Bucky. <laughs> Yeah, and Peggy, yeah, people who love him, and we get to see him as this little weakling that, like, everybody's picking on, and we already have that. I do think Mm. that, like Jessica Jones, this show suffers a little bit from being having to be the representative of its culture. Like, it has to be the black man, and Jessica had to be the woman in the Marvel, like, the female superhero in the Marvel universe. But I really enjoyed Jessica Jones. I I did too, but there was some. It was a bit heavy-handed at times. Mm. 
I think I think the thing with Captain America is that he has these fantastic characters to bounce off all the time. Mm. Whereas Luke Cage often isn't around these characters. He's often by himself and the characters that are we really come to enjoy in the show are very separate to him. Yeah. Like a lot of the conversations between Mariah and Cottonmouth, totally separate. All that sort of stuff. And Misty. Misty is often doing her Everything, own thing, yeah. totally separate, which is the of the much better part of the show, in my opinion. Yeah. I think there's just these moments, like, where if they allow Luke to just be Luke, it's more... Like, when he says sweet Christmas every time, I kind of smile, you know, because it's such it's, a that weird... That was kind of yeah. adorable, thing. yeah. Adorable. Um, you know, little things like that. But then, like, every time he kicks in a door instead of opening it, like, <laughs> what are handles? Yeah. Or, like, when he just smacks a bad guy away, like, yeah. by the head, just, or like, kicks whatever. He just slaps him on the head and, and then just go yeah. down. But he kicks through the wall t- so that um, Claire can get to Mar- um, to Misty. Or when like, he says sw- the swear jaster. Yeah, yeah. And when he saves Connie and he says, I'm kind of strong, which is such a dorky <laughs> thing to say, given what he is. But, yeah, ultimately, I think it comes down to he doesn't talk the walk. He doesn't say the things that people are saying about him. In the dialogue that he has, he comes across as being condescending, patronizing, rude. Yeah. Like, he, you know, and not rude in the open way, but rude in like a snarky way. Uh. That his interactions with Misty, oh, you said, you know, you've been doing any fun auditing lately or whatever it was. Didn't even know what an auditor was, by the way. But like, he, and then he's so rude to her and we like Misty. We're supposed to like Misty. Yeah, you, you're supposed to like Misty from the very first moment you meet her. Right. And she, like, you know, I, I get that they had this cute kind of snarky thing, but to put that, again, in context is kind of he pursues her because she doesn't want him is a, not a nice trick. And, I mean, it doesn't fit with the lovable dork Luke that we just talked about. The, right. I'm, I'm kind of strong. And, yeah, exactly. And they sort of weirdly verged that cute snarky thing from the first episode into this weird... Like, Snark snarky. Yeah, like actually hostile yeah, um, relationship that they have for most of the season, really. And then he goes and saves her again at the end. And you're like, at what point? Where is the change in this relationship coming from? <laughs> why Why are these things? Like, this is the thing is that I don't follow the trajectory of any of this stuff. Luke getting out of prison and then opening Luke's and all that stuff. Like, I don't follow the tra- trajectory of that. What is the trajectory of the relationship with Luke, between Luke and Misty? They sleep together. Then ma- he's mad at her. And then she thinks he did it, but then she thinks he didn't do it, and she's trying to protect him, but then he's still mad at her, and then he comes back and he saves her in the thing and everybody's cool. That's the trajectory, right? Or yeah. like, because she brings him in and she gets mad at Claire, and then she's also mad at Luke, right? So I can't remember, I can't piece it together. You know, it, it's so baffling and confusing, and I think that is that lack of focus. Yes, I think it is. But Dan, the show looked cool. Yes. It has and so sounded good cool. actors in it. Yes, I don't know. Does anybody want to bring up anything else about it? No, I think I. I wonder if um once we have the defenders, these things are going to get a bit better when we've seen everybody interact a bit more, like when mm. the heroes have sort of. I think one thing together. that Marvel doesn't do very well compared to um, the X Men franchise movies uh-huh. is the X Men franchise movies use their powers really well. Whereas yeah. in the Marvel shows, they don't seem to know what to do with them. Mm. Like, I don't... Yeah, he's really strong. Think... Oh, I guess we just have to have make magic bullets. Well, And but... then that's it. That's the extent of it. They don't try to get him to do anything interesting. But yeah. Daredevil did. Or at least season one of Daredevil kind of... Like, those fight scenes are phenomenal things. Mm. They're amazing things. Watching Matt 
use his powers. Like it's it's a very core part of the first season to understand how Matt's powers work. They visualize that his blindness, you know, and and his sonar senses and stuff. They show him listening to things and they show him reacting certain ways. They show how he's learned to fight. All of his powers track really mm. well. Except they actually use them really well. Four defenders now who are basically just four people who are slightly stronger, faster or better than other people. So they're just but- going to be hitting people. Like <laughs> It's I'm not hearing very... them coming yeah. from a great distance. <laughs> it's not not be... just hearing them coming, but he can do things like, uh, you know, the spy stuff and things like and, that. And telling when someone's lying. Telling when yeah. somebody's lying. And there's yeah, a lot but of... like, what are the fight scenes going to be? They're just going to be four people hitting people. Yeah, and, and I, I think... Also, yeah, but if they look Daredevil... like Daredevil, they'll be awesome. You can cut this bit out, but I get really frustrated. There's been a lot of people who seem to want Luke Cage to be above criticism. Like, I've been talking about it, and I'm like, well, what about this thing and that thing and something else? And they're like, no, no, but that's okay within the context of the show because of this thing and that thing. I'm like, but I'm talking about the tropes. This is a – like, you talk about Cornell shooting all of his – Cornell and Diamondback both shoot more of their own people than they do anybody else. They both kill more people who are working for them than anybody else. They're supposed I to be bad guys. Mm. Yes, that's what I mean. They should go around killing other people. Yeah, they sh- if they're not hurting innocents, then how are they bad? You know, they're well. Yeah, they do hurt innocents as well. Corne- Cottonmouth, very little. Yeah, they well, almost see almost you, none that, that we see. Actually, you you get them, you know, roughing up the neighborhood and taking all their money. That's their yeah. hurting of innocence. But that's Mariah doing. Yeah, it. but you don't. Cottonmouth, Cottonmouth doesn't actually, do that. Mariah does. Cottonmouth it. actually um, slides. Does. It, Cottonmouth just has a reputation for that. Like we 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 don't see it. We're not shown it as yeah. the audience. We come to this character seeing that the community is scared of him, yeah. which is. Interesting. Again, if they had a bit more time to stretch that out a bit and give him a proper arc, they would have probably done and a better even, job. And even, like, roughing up the community is not quite the same as constantly killing his own people. Yeah, I guess. Like, it is. I mean, it really. he really is like a... a I don't know. I don't, I don't find that particularly out of character or I don't weird or anything. A, that's what I mean. I don't think it's out of character. If you've got one person doing that, okay. Then they brought in Diamondback. He did exactly the same thing. Yeah, but Diamondback isn't a character, so... But that's... It's a trope. Right? Yeah. That's a trope on mm. this show that is failing the show. Like, if I talk about that, if I talk about the way that women are portrayed, like with this kind of through line, okay, if you took Reva by herself, if you took Misty by herself, if you took Mariah by herself, then you can see all the reasons why they're doing these things. But on the whole, what you are what you end up painting is this trope of women are duplicitous. Mm. And and Diamondback is odd because he's, he's like scary to Cottonmouth, but not to, like you don't, again. People don't seem scared of him. Well, Cottonmouth. Like, well, people are scared of Shades, actually. Like, Shades comes in and Shades is, like, hanging over Cottonmouth every minute of mm, that the, we see him. Because he's the spectre of Diamondback, Yeah, he's the spectre of yeah. Diamondback rather than – and and that we what we needed to have was an, to establish was an, a spectre of Cottonmouth for people as well. Mm. Anyway. But even then, when Diamondback showed up, because Shades is so good, he was even more disappointing, I think. Yeah, he was, completely, because Shades had been so scary. And then Diamondback actually shows – so, like, it wouldn't have been, it would have been almost more fun if we'd never saw Diamondback and it sort of was something that hung over the end of the season. Like, mm. yeah. Cottonmouth is Maybe dead. some sort of hook into the next season yeah. was interesting. Yeah, 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 that would be Yeah, cool. have, or just have Diamondback in the very last episode. Although, if they didn't cast him till next season, they might have been able to cast an actor who didn't, like, destroy the show every time he was on it. Right. So there, <laughs> yeah, so, someone of Mahershala Ali's caliber. Exactly. Like, who's really able to dig into the character. And, yeah, and who yeah. can live up to that. But, but yeah, it, it yeah, kind of would have been better. His run on that show was criminally short. Yeah, it's really unfair. 
And the thing about Shades also is that he can sometimes chew the scenery. Sometimes he's a little bit over the top. Sometimes it's a little bit silly. But he knows when to not do that. He knows when to just be creepy. He knows when to stand in the background. He knows when to do certain things. Mm. His performance is much more carefully calibrated. It's not just screaming every single second that he's on screen. And, you know, they try to set up this backstory so that we might be moderately sympathetic to him or understand his motivations. And really, you're just like, that? That's it? Like, comparative to everybody else's backstories, this is what you're giving us for him? Cheesy comic book stuff 101, the laziest yeah. possible writing. But it could have been a good backstory. Like, it's not a bad premise for a comic book villain, like I said earlier. It could have been a, it could have been done well. Yeah, but then, I mean, the cheesy, oh, that Bible, when he gives the Bible to the, um, the diehard character and he looks through it and it's like, you know, all circled and yeah. stuff. And then he looks up and he's like, oh, he's crazy. And you're like, we know. <laughs> We know that. We don't need that establishing shot. We figured that out. <laughs> yeah. He's he's not and you know, there's these little moments Cottonmouth where Cottonmouth will just be playing his organ in the mm. in his office and somebody'll come in and he gets really upset and he um although he has some very serious uh issues around women and stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, like there's one a scene where there's just naked women sitting there like draped over furniture listening to him play his organ or right. play his keyboard but women as as um decoration yeah women as objects but, kind but of problem. like the whole the whole thing where he still wants to play his keyboard and he's uh, was a really talent that's a really interesting part of his character yeah but there's moments when he's just playing it by himself nobody's there he's yeah. just doing it because it he likes it it means that he has like a hobby an interest outside of killing people yes it's almost like he's a person yeah Exactly. Dun, dun, dun. What are Luke Cage's hobbies? Oh, reading. Books by important men. Do we see him reading? Uh, no, yes, yeah. we do. And he talks with people about books. You can see him reading like once. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, is Luke, what, are Luke, what are Luke Cage's interests? Apparently basketball. He talks about that a little bit at the beginning. Well, yeah, it seems, but that sort of felt like just man stuff. I think you see him like jogging all... at one point. Yeah. Who um, is he? If we boil down what makes Luke Cage Luke Cage, who he is, what, who is he? Um, Misty loves basketball, right? She was yeah. a, she Luke did Cage, basketball Luke in college. Cage talks she, about basketball because the other men talk yeah. about basketball, and it's what you talk. It's like a social currency. I agree. He's, I he's kind of like concentrated small talk. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. who is what? What does he actually enjoy doing? <laughs> Lifting up washing machines. Yeah. Sorry, Having sex sorry. with women. <laughs> yeah, like wh- who is he? Ultimately, what have we got? We know more about. Misty as a person and her interests and stuff than we do about Luke at any point. He is just reactive. Do you like boxing? No, not really, but I'll learn how because I gotta. Do you like doing this thing? No, not really, but you know, I mean, and you're and, bulletproof. Shouldn't you be out there helping the community? No, uh, not really, because I gotta. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're bulletproof. Oh, I suppose if Pop died, I'll go and help some people. <laughs> like, what? And then he talks about you gotta stand up. He has this big speech at the end of the season, and you're like, You've barely done that. Really, he's barely... The only reason he did that in the first place is because Pop died. Like, it, it's... Who is Luke Cage? Mm. It, and that's person. very unlike Steve Rogers. So Steve Rogers wants more than anything to be a soldier and to fight and to stand up for what's right. But he's too small and he can't see straight. Mm. And he so he can't get in. Like, And so when he's given the opportunity to do that, he's like, yes, I can finally do this. Yeah, exactly. And he's modest and he's not like out there to, which Luke is as well, and he's not out to get glory. He genuinely wants to do that. 
But also, you know that Steve will always do the right thing because we've seen him do it over and over again. The grenade thing, right? Yeah. The, there's a grenade, like the Tommy Lee Jones throws out the fake grenade and he, tiny little Steve jumps throws over himself it and covers on it. it and yeah. Peggy just immediately falls in love with him. Like all of that stuff, his awkwardness around women makes perfect sense because when he was younger and smaller, women didn't talk to him. So he doesn't yeah. know what to do with himself now that he's this like big hunk of a man. All of these things are, there's these little bits and pieces of who he is that's woven into everything that he does. I think part of that is just because of the awkward way they introduced, like, they didn't, they give it that, that sort of like half backstory. Mm-hmm. Like you get a piece of his backstory where he's in prison and you get his motivations then and what's happening. And then you get a, another tiny slice of his backstory when you see a bit of his early family life which you see a couple of minutes of at most yeah but um, also there's this weird thing where then, they were like they ref- oh my dad didn't really like me all that much why but they all and yeah, they, they didn't really go into it any- i mean well, this but he was also the miracle baby like they don't the only parent child his parents ever had and they thought they were never going to and there's also he went into the marines and at some point, some kind of law. He talks about that. being having yeah, been in the Marines. Yeah, and he was a po- and he was a cop. And he was like, a cop as well. Wait, yeah, oh, he was a cop. He was ex law enforcement. What That's is what the they, trajectory of this the, man's um, life. The the guard who's it's weird a comic how little book they character. Tell you about it. Yeah, yeah. It's just weird. You've got they to just piece drop, it together. They just drop these things, bits and pieces, but none of them seem to match up with anything else that you know. Yeah. Taking him away, taking him out of Harlem, they could have easily just made him a disgraced cop who went to jail and now he lives in Harlem and he's sweeping the floors. Then suddenly he gets these powers and everybody is like, oh, he can't be a hero. Everybody knows that he went to jail. Yeah. yeah. Like, they No, but he had to be to... innocent for, to begin with, Katie. Yeah, because he does have to be a good man. Yes, like, I know, but he could still be all of those things. I think it could have been more interesting had he been, like, actually a disgraced cop. Like, he di- he wasn't innocent well, and, and, and tried to be yeah, better. That would have yeah, been interesting, The too. whole thing where he did get arrested as a kid and then his dad helped him get out of it and so he didn't end up in jail, but that's what turned him around and put him in the Marines. Like, that seems to be the story. That's, that is interesting, that he wasn't always a good man. He had to be taught that by doing yeah, that. I don't even Why couldn't the they just How did he have time this, this whole this? Yeah. Couldn't <laughs> they just, 40. He's had plenty of time. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Mike Colter's 40, and he's meant to be about the same age as the actor who's playing. Um, he has aged well. Yeah. Um, and he's meant to be about the same age as the actor who is playing Diamondback, so who's, I would suggest, in his 40s. But Mike Colter is actually 40. I've looked this up. And I I think I would put Simone Missick around our age, like mid-30s. Around your age. <laughs> yes, okay, infant. <laughs> um, but yeah, that again, like, they could have just squished all of that into one backstory, right? Mm. Like, he was uh, raised in Harlem by a preacher, right? He's raised in Harlem by a preacher. His dad wants him to be raised to be a good person, but then he gets into some trouble and he gets into doing the wrong thing and he goes to jail. Now dad is mad at him and he goes to jail whether or not it's for something he did on is irrelevant, really. Well, and it's also interesting that he's going to jail eventually when he got out, didn't get to go to jail. Like he didn't have to go to jail earlier when he did deserve to go. So I think this is is another one of the like comic book roots problems where not necessarily that this is anything that's from comics, but the total overcomplicatedness that comes yeah. from <laughs> comics. But comics yep. is ridiculously convoluted. And but that's kind of comes with the medium and you kind of expect it. But in TV yeah. that 
doesn't work. Yeah, that's right. Well, from what I've heard, he's a very different person in the book, in the TV show to the comics. In the comics, he's a bit angrier and a bit like I would have actually liked that more. That that kind of fire when with that N word scene, you know, yeah, like yeah. that was much more interesting, interesting and exciting for me. Well, and the fire when he puts on the Wu Tang Clan and he walks into, kicks the door down and walks into um, Cottonmouth's building and to steal the money and he just kills everybody to that soundtrack. That. I don't think he killed anger. everybody. No, he just knocks them all out. But to that soundtrack, that like he just yeah. bang, kick, get him out of the way. The and, most and interesting moments were when he's a little bit more like the Luke Cage of the comics, I think. And, and when a little they, bit angrier, yeah. a little bit funnier, a little bit louder. And that's so those kicking down the doors things are so cool because that is anger. He's yeah. he could use the door handle. And he has he every right to be angry. Yeah, and he he doesn't. He goes there in anger and so he kicks the doors down. And that's the kind of the stuff they sold the show with too, actually, if I remember yeah. correctly. So really, it's, it, yeah, and and just conserving their energy with this crazy backstory and just making it clear, concise. These things, these are the things that happen. He's from New York. He's not from Georgia. He's from New York, and everybody knows him. And everybody knows, oh, Luke Cage. You know, he's a good guy. We like him, but. He did this thing once and he went to jail. He's a disgrace cop. We probably can't trust him. He's probably not a hero, right? Like, oh, people are saying, oh, this is Luke Cage's fault. Maybe it is Luke Cage's fault because he once went to jail. Like, and you you handle that kind of ex-con stuff. So also just like a comic book, if you think about it too hard, it doesn't make sense. Right. No. It doesn't. Everything just falls apart whenever I try to piece together what happened here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm tired. I'm done, I think, with this with this thing. Do we give this rating? Do we give TV shows ratings? It's been a while since we did one. I think I we do. Well, I'd give Luke and Diamond back one out of five. <laughs> everyone else, like, four out of five. Exactly. Yeah. So, it probably balances out around three. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> if you do the whole season. Maybe two and a half. Fair enough. I don't think it's really worth – I mean, I think we had a good talk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that was fun. <laughs> um. Yes. So, I will wrap up then. Thank you, Jamie. No worries, happy to be here. It's fun to have guests sometimes. And you're actually, like, not on Skype. You're actually here with us, which is nice too. Um, And thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to find our show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of any movies that she watches, but not this because this is TV, um, you can find them on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we are facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens at screen underscore queens on Twitter and and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.